The Dode Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dode Fox Podcast. I'm Ronnie, he's Paul, and another interesting week as a United fan. We'll get a new striker. Brian Graham runs us ragged, we'll sweep Peter head aside, and Kevin Holt is our top scorer so far this season. Join the conversation on our socials. We're at Dode Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode, the Viaplay Cup is gubbed. Louis Moult is our new number nine. The programme goes digital. Hearty adds three. On this day with the Arab Archive. And Dundee United Hall of Famer Jim McAnally is our special guest. It's all coming up on episode 200 of the Dode Fox podcast. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold. You're listening to the Dode Fox podcast. So welcome back to the award-winning Dode Fox podcast with this is Kevin Holt's world and we're just living in it. Oh, McNichol. And I'm almost 41 and I've just bought myself a briefcase, Ronnie Costello. We'll move on for the second bit. A briefcase? Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you a story, right? Thursday night, Claire wanted to go to one of the charity shops to get some books because she's fed up paying eight quid a time or two for a ten or whatever the deals are. And we were in the charity shop, she was getting two for a pound. And then I seen this uh, this briefcase thing and I went, oh, that's quite smart. Oh, it's quite nice, that. So you want it? I says, nah, not really. I've not really got a use for it. He's like, it's only five quid. Mm-hmm. I said, but I've not got any use for it. So it's only five quid. Right, okay, I'll bet. Because I tell women only cheers is four pounds. Got him, opened up. It's got about a million compartments. It's even got any of the trolley things. It's got mm-hmm. wheels in a hand. I've no idea when I'm going to use it. You and Claire will be here in wrestling matches and money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've I've got myself a briefcase. I couldn't be happier. I really couldn't be happier. Fantastic. You know what I mean? And we are all living in Kevin Holt's world, but we'll get to that. Um, to kick things off, uh, I would just like to announce that we have a shiny new all-in-one place website that you can now find at dodefoxpodcast.com. It will no longer take you just to the shop it will take you to a website that's got all the episodes uh you will be able to buy merch on it you can watch our videos from uh the youtube clips that, and episodes that we upload and one of the cool things you can actually leave us a voicemail so what we would really like over time is after the game you take your frustrations your praise or whatever you head to our website you uh you can do it on your phone by the way does this be on a pc or laptop or anything you click on the wee microphone you stick your name in there your email address and then you get two minutes to leave us uh, anything you like and we could play it out and we could respond to it and see what your views like and we could have a lot of fun that could be class that, that, <laughs> that, that could be a, a bit of a game changer especially after a, a howling defeat but i've got a bone to pick for you with the, the actual the main page on the website you have cut the top of my head off uh, you have before. yes yes that, uh, that's that's because you're a lot taller than us average humans <laughs> uh but yeah dodefoxpodcast.com uh, all the episodes are on there you can listen direct on the website but there's links i mean to Apple and uh, Spotify and all these kind of places that you can listen. Uh, but it is now all in one place. I'm quite happy with that. I quite like it. Uh, but again, click the wee microphone option, uh, send us a wee message. Uh, you can read reviews on there as well. But I actually was going through some of the reviews and I sent Paul one of our favourite reviews when we got our only one star review, uh, which we got, which was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, but that is on there uh, as well, someplace probably. But yeah, doadfoxpodcast.com uh, and that gets the uh, that out of the way nice and early. Last week we were talking about the new home shell mm-hmm. and it went on sale and you went and got yourself in and mm-hmm. one of the first things I said to you was, how does it fit? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'm a double XL normally, and it was a double XL. So, you say normally? Do you mean normally in life, or <laughs> normally in these Italian tight fitted t-shirt department? Well, in in United shirt sales, I'm normally a double XL. Like now and again, when I've I've maybe put a wee bit too much timber on, I've went up to a three XL and a three kg of jelly babies or jelly beans. <laughs> well, that doesn't <laughs> help. That doesn't help. Uh, I mean, it looked like Louis Moult was smuggling a couple of jelly beans during the week. Uh, but but the shirt itself, uh, it's 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 a lovely shirt. Uh, it's a, there's a nice Beautiful. feel to it as well. Uh, ah, it's it's a good shirt. But I would all, always recommend trying it on before you buy it. Mm, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people have been caught by that again, thinking I'm still not an Italian strongman made of nothing. <laughs> and if you've managed to fit any of the tops, good on you. We'll move on. Uh, but yeah, you, you, I mean, it's flown off the shelves and outstanding numbers, and you obviously couldn't have just buy one mm-hmm. uh, as it was. Um, but I was amazed to hear that you bought the full strip for yourself and no Leo. No, 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 no that, that's a myth. That didn't happen. <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually got mine's bought for me as part of my birthday, uh, but I had to get Leo's. Uh, and he was, he didn't get Tony Watt on the back. He didn't get number 32. He didn't get anything. But at the game yeah. yesterday, he was, he was swithering. He was like, I might just get my own name on the back or I might get like Mochre or I might get Fotheringham. I was like, well, like Fotheringham's a, it's a big it's surname. Expensive. It's a big surname. <laughs> Did you just know? put a letter? You might hear run about with your, your errands <laughs> wide out just to get it fitted on. But uh, <laughs> aye, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Mm, interesting. And mm. you're still going with McNichol 69 on the back? No, not at all. Not at all. No number, no name for me. Old school. Wasn't he? He puts his age on it, hasn't he? Is that what he's normally done? He used to. Ah, he used to, but then a couple of years ago he got McNichol 17 because he likes the number 17 and he had Levitt last year on one of them, Fletcher on the other. Look how that happened. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you want rid of MD, uh, I'll stick their name and number on well, it. Well, I mean, there's candidate. Maybe I will let him get Tony Watt in the back. Just put Holt with a J. It'll be fine. <laughs> Number four, be okay. If we can move on for that. Uh, before we get to the game, obviously, there's a lot that happened before we even got to Tuesday. The programmes went digital. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, like, I know it pisses a few people off. It's not something that really impacts myself. I was purchasing the programmes towards the end of last season when they were bringing them out with stickers in them. And it was a case for of... For your collection. For the collection, of course. For the, the 1982-83 league winning uh, sticker book that they also brought which was it was good marketing it was it was smart it was a decent wee money maker for the club you would think uh, but in general no like the programmes that I've got in my house are for yesteryear like when mm. my old man used to buy programmes so it's no something that, that impacts me but I know out there there are people that are quite disappointed because they are programmes yeah I can, I can absolutely see it for you know a collector's point of view and stuff like that because if it's something you do and mm. it's like a panini sticker book mm-hmm. I used to love them Mm-hmm. I used to love them and so, even one of the tournaments not that long ago probably when I was single uh, I bought the stickers and, and thought I might be in my mid-30s but I'm enjoying this mm. you know so I could see it but it was quite interesting that I think the, the thing with the decision I don't think the club haven't made the decision this is before it come out the statement the club hadn't made that decision if it was making money let's put it let's put that on the table that's what it was right so they've actually come out and said that less than 2% of supporters who attend actually buy a programme yeah that's low yeah that's I mean it's 
it's almost not worthwhile then, is it? Mm. Or it isn't. That's that's the way it's been deemed it's not worthwhile. Yeah. So. And it's quite interesting, though, if you still want to buy them, you can <clears> still <throat> buy one that they'll get sent to you by Curtis Sports. I think it's quite a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been quite interesting going on, and I know it's a, a, a kind of slimmed-down version of the programme at the minute, obviously because of the cup games we're in. But just able to go on any device, flick through it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fine. It's got links to things and stuff like that, like the new match day playlist that we may as well mention now because mm-hmm. I was getting, a, I was getting a wee bit of stick on Twitter and that, and I was like, it's not me. Like you, you are picking the tunes yeah. here. By the way, have you got any input into that at all? No, because there's, there's not any time now because it's match day request, which is what we've said for ages. Absolutely. If somebody says to me. Look, I'm going to be in the ground, and this used to happen now and again. I'm going to be in the ground half two. Could you play something? No problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is just to get, and it's something I've been saying for years that, you know, try and get more buy in for the fans and stuff. The, the only problem we've got, and this is not a dig at NMD, but there has to be somebody's song tune goes on at two o'clock. Well, yeah. it's not really. That's the only song I put on it, too. It's the first tune I always pick for myself. Mm-hmm. But at five past two, somebody's song's on yeah, they might not come in it, but again it's something that's it, it's just the way it is you know mm-hmm. and the same at half time now it's uh, I used to like doing a lot of locally, local stuff that you can but again finding new stuff different stuff but now we've got the request for it so the match they placed the requests are only on Instagram at the minute because it's easier to get a tally of but like I say it is published and there's a link to it there is a Spotify playlist that gets published mm-hmm. not necessarily in the order I play them but again, it's, it's quite cool. We quite like it as well. So, yeah, it's something different. Yeah, who, so who's, that, who's picking the like the walkout theme this season? Oh, that that was that's been chosen. DJs. That's been chosen internally. Right. Okay. So, um, a bit of a collective effort by departments, players, stuff like that. Yeah, and Nick, Nick complaints. A big fan of that song. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, again, before we touch on yesterday, there was a, there's a lot of technical problems going on over at my side at the moment that uh, we're trying to work out if it's a cable, if it's something because there was a couple of announcements that were totally sort of missed yesterday. A lot of people didn't mind that. There was also enough. there was also a couple that you sounded like a female. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's because Graham, that used to do them for the police control rooms, they were retired. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, th- and that happened on Tuesday. Um, that I didn't know was happening, mm. and I thought that that's that's interesting. So, yeah, there's a couple of them, but again, I actually didn't mind like the the, the people needing to go and meet somebody or a car needing moved. I don't mind if, if they've got that info because that info used to get passed to me. Mm. Which was like you could just jump on and Correct, and then yeah. I was getting uh, I was getting comments saying oh you know but their their mic sounded better they, they sounded better than you I was like yeah we're having a lot of problems over here so I've basically got three weeks to try and fix them because mm-hmm. I'm a wee bit stumped to what it could be so we need to change out a few more cables and see but anyway that's that's by the by but the match day playlist there's a link to that in the program and stuff like that and there's obviously don't know if you noticed if you flick through it there's a lot of green in it. Which yes. I think is obviously a link towards where our away it's shirt a, is going. I mean, if you're hearing a gamma I spy, that mm. is a skiffy. Yes. That is a definite that skiffy. That is a skiffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I imagine to do the, maybe the hips thing, maybe the Ordinary Hibernian thing, maybe a bit of history thing. Possibly. And yeah. I've seen people say, have oh, green, this, that, and that. But we've had green a lot. Yeah. It, it I seems, mean, it we does, know the infamous one. Yeah, of <laughs> the course. It, it, seems, it seems to split opinion, though. You know, mm. some people are dead against it, some people are keen for it uh, I'm neither here nor there like it obviously if it happens this season it's because it's a hundred years since we became Dundee United rather than Dundee Hibernian so it will just be a dolphin of the cup to that to that time period yeah 
Indeed. So, like I say about the programme, if you're a season to go there, you get it the day before. If you're not, it's on the website the day of the game and you can have a flick through it. So you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, no players out this week so far, but we did get our number nine that we were shouting out for, screaming out for, and again, kind of done up because I think it came out, oh, I think it was Tuesday, but there was a lot of rumours of it on the Monday. Mm-hmm. But Louis Moult, ex of Motherwell, signs a one-year deal. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was rumoured on Monday, wasn't it? Because I, was, I went to the cinema on Monday with my three kilograms of jelly beans. <laughs> Come back with 300 grams. And then when, when I got back out, out of the film and looking online and there was people losing their mind, saying this is a terrible sign and this is a great sign. And again, it just split opinion. And What do you think? I think it's a very good signing. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely do. Now, I obviously, I get his injury record and that's no great. But then you take that away. He's no signing for Dundee United just now. So that's played into our hands. We can only hope that he doesn't become Peter Pollock. That's, I mean, it's it's a long shot because of the recent history and he, the the little football that he's actually played. But Louis Moult is a good player. Like or Louis Moult certainly was a good player when he was uh, when he was fully fit down at Motherwell. So, and in, in the position that we find ourselves in, I'm not sure that we could have signed anybody better. Like he's a fit Louis Moult. Definitely, definitely the best striker in that league. When Jim Goodwin was talking, um, I think it was on the back of maybe the Spartans game or in the days leading up to the Partick game that they'd spoken to two or three strikers and they were just waiting for some of them. That's not even one name I even put in that two or three. No. No, but I mean, it did seem to come out of nowhere, but I mean, I think it's a good signing. I, I, I genuinely do. Yeah. Uh, but I, but again, I could understand why people would think oh, this is too much of a gamble, and and it is a gamble. Like, almost everything we're doing this season is a bloody gamble because the budget's clearly been slashed, and we're we're signing boys that on paper have got good experience in that league. But like, who who else could we have brought in that was better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, be interesting to see um, how he gets on. He was obviously going to be thrown into the action, maybe not for the start, but three words to kick us off before Tuesday's match. We speak about it, Brian fucking Graham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was well. We, we joked about it last week, didn't we? Like it was. He was always just going to give give the defence a tour of time mm. for one reason because he, he'll probably have played against Kevin Holt numerous times in training. He probably know each other inside out, so you yep. could look on it both ways. Uh, but he's but he's he's a big ham or a man. But he's a <laughs> but he's a handful. <laughs> Arm of a man, but he's a handful, you know. And he's he uses his experience. He's he's got he's got better as he's got older. I still wouldn't want him at Tannadice. He's not got that much better. But in terms of him pulling off onto the to the young guy on loan, like that that was the smart thing to do for Brian Graham's point of view. And he completely dominated that match up uh, the whole night. Yeah, he's a, he's annoyingly frustrating uh, striker who in the latter part of his career has turned into dare I say a very good championship league one striker yeah he's a very good focal point for them he plays to his strengths uh, which are just his physicality uh, putting his body in the the right position Mm -hmm. to win a foul or to to get a flick on or to take the ball in and uh, yeah as I say like the young Ollie Denham he really struggled with with that like he never gave up like he was always there he was trying to trying his best to get in on the act, but I would say that Brian Graham definitely came out on top of that battle. I think it was um, 
I think it was before he scored, but we saw the old Brian Graham that we knew at Tanner mm-hmm. when he missed effectively a sitter. A sitter, yeah. Should have buried it. Should have buried it, yeah. More poor defending from us, though, to, to afford a chance like that to the opposition. But yeah, that, that should have ended up in the net. So we, we went into Tuesday's game already pissed off. Uh, <laughs> given how Saturday went and the frustrations of uh, everything we spoke about. I think a lot of people were, they knew you were going to be angry on Monday, but I think a lot of people just realised, nah, it's kind of how we're feeling at the minute. So we want to bounce back. We are near immediate time to do it on Tuesday against Paddock. We're going to be, you know, a championship rival. And it just didn't go to plan. No, no. I mean, it started all right. It started all right. We, we managed to, start on the front foot and we got ourselves in front as well uh, and I was sitting there thinking right okay this, this definitely could shut my bus <laughs> keep my gas good move when I robbed the boy in possession uh, it, was, it was a very good move yeah and it was uh, it was a touch of class for, for, for Deco as well because I thought he's just going away to melt this but no he, he, cuts, it, he cuts it back uh, and Sybil's on hand just to, to roll it home uh, and then after that just defensive frailties Costwa, uh, I thought we were quite poor at the back. Uh, Partick, probably the better team without actually doing anything that really that, that made me think, Christ, they'll be a problem our season. But the fact that you, they can play like that, and I think they were missing a few bodies as well. And like, I don't think we were missing anybody. Uh, okay, we've got boys like Tony Watt and Louis Moult that aren't a fit. Like, they're no match fit, and that'll come. Uh, but that was pretty much our full squad. I, I didn't think there was anybody missing, uh, so it was it was a bit of a blow. Uh, if you if you want to put a positive slant on it, it was a slightly better performance than the Saturday. I thought, mm-hmm. uh, albeit you still lost and you got pumped out of the cup, which is always always from my point of view anyway a bit of a blow, <laughs> especially so early in the season. Yeah, I thought the. Um for, for a while on Tuesday, the referee was very lenient at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the boy Williamson's, like, I know he, he, he set up the first goal. He's no great. No. And then he got a while no. on as well. That, that's that's the guy, uh, like when we had Noel Hunt on, that's the guy who, he's obviously a big Rangers fan. Yeah. He was at Dundee last season. He got sent off for Livingston for half and deck on glass. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's the guy that Noel Hunt used to tie his wash yeah. out his mum and dad today. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, he's he just he just cuts a bit with his socks down, his shirt untucked, thinking he's Archie. And nah, he, he is pretty average. But we we made him look a wee bit better than average on uh, on Tuesday. And kind there was a couple of challenges that he put, and he was probably lucky that he he didn't uh, see red. Mm-hmm. The second goal was a mess. I mean, we'll say this word umpteen times this season, no doubt, but it was a shambles. I think the boy ultimately chests it in. Mm. Uh, I think we've got defenders ducking, uh, guys just not getting there, the keeper backtracking. I, I get, like, for a Partick point of view, it's a good ball into a dangerous a area. But, like, we're kind of just hey, Abdi avoiding the ball. Like, somebody's got to go and attack it. The boy Docker had about three men. <laughs> It was. It was. Just, you were, we were just all over the place. Uh, it was a really, really poor goal to lose. Uh, but, but I don't care what you thought. But I felt it was coming. Just the way that the game was going, they had a few chances. Uh, I think they had. I at, that, at that stage, they had more chances than us. I can't mind if the boy Walton saves before or after that. But it's a really good save. Uh, the free kick. He, it gets himself doing. No, no, oh, the free kicks yes, right after yeah, that actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, the free kick's a good save, but the second when he gets himself down. Yeah, very and good save. I, I think it's, and it's been said a few times, you know, if obviously we can be less shite than other teams to go up as well, but the goalkeeper mm -hmm. in what I've seen in two live performances and then um, when I was at the current, I know I did about the stream legally, that was allowed last Saturday, in the three games, I'm liking what I'm seeing for mm. him so far. Yeah. And they're big saves. Can he do better with the second goal? He's backtracking a little bit. It was a mess. Good cross. It should have been dealt with before he even got to there. But I've quite liked what I've seen so yeah. far. Yeah. Certainly, I'm not pointing any fingers, put it that way. No, and like you didn't have to tell any United fans how important it is to hit a half-decent goalie between the sticks. Uh, we, we saw last season when we, when we couldn't have been <laughs> out of two that were brought in. Like we, There was just no half-decent in between them. But it's uh, that is that is another positive. If you want to look at positives, the keeper's clearly it is an upgrade yeah. uh, on what we had last season regardless of the level that we're playing it and uh, he, he's pulled off a couple of a couple of great saves so far and obviously the the other positive you know aside from the result and everything was Louis Moult getting 45 minutes on the pitch at least mm -hmm. yeah uh, again I didn't think he'd done that much so if you were a critic of the signing you'd probably be looking and thinking well what did he contribute there He's that's probably his first action in however long you know after a long layoff a couple of really serious injuries uh, and it's probably going to take him a good few weeks into the season I would say Rondo to actually get match fit but like even from from his performance on Tuesday to Saturday like you saw signs uh, there was one on Tuesday where he where he's got the ball and that he had one thing on his mind he was like I'm having a shot here I'm just having a shot and, and that was good because how many times could did we save that? that was a decent save yeah. but it was just the intent showing for the strength and that's what you want how many times have we fanny debut with the bar pass 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 you ultimately never get a shot away. and also for a player that probably hadn't even trained with his mm -hmm. teammates no, no. like barely met them probably yeah barely met right them. yeah uh, obviously when the full time whistle goes it's disaster saying because we've now lost two it's looking near impossible and it really then turns into pre-season yes what were your thoughts at the full-time whistle just disappointed because because again we had lost we hadn't played very well I, I would concede that we played slightly better than we did on the Saturday but it, it felt like a, a small crumb of comfort if any because we had we were at the cup like again like the permutations you know it wasn't a confirmed that you were at the cup but like the missed points we could get was six. I don't think anybody we anything less than eight has ever went through for the league stage. So yeah, it, it was just it's frustrating that you go out the cup like we <laughs> I bore myself saying it, like the cup should mean more than what it does, but it it, it doesn't seem to, you know, and, it, and it's not just it's not just United that have that have had uh, bad results in the first two or three uh, League Cup matches, but it's only United that we care about and it hasn't been good. Well, certainly the first two games, they just weren't good enough. No, no, they were not. Um, Bigger crowd than I thought would be there on Tuesday, though. Yeah, yeah. Not not surprised at the crowd yesterday. No, no. Given... But I thought there was only going to be a couple of hundred on Tuesday, like yeah. the way the sales were going. It seemed to take a bit of a jump between Monday and Tuesday. So must it must have been your positivity on Monday. Uh, like. I can only... I mean, I'm, I'm going to file a wee... See if I can get a cut of the profit. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was unusual because like, I mm. thought it was going to be a really low crowd, and it was a low crowd, obviously, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm. Yeah, that was a frustrating one. Like you said, um, we could we could six points the maximum we get. It would likely be pretty incredible if we were uh, to go through, but nonetheless, there was two games. 
I think the manager had been honest that things would, you know, swap around like what and won't need to get some minutes. And there would be changes because, dare I say, he's not sitting knowing his best 11 yet, mm. given the changes that have been made, the form of some yeah. in a couple of games, and probably wasn't, you know, too surprised that there were changes again yesterday. And you knew it would be okay after the full breakfast that mm -hmm. you sent as the picture of, I mean, anyone that mixes eggs with other eggs on a plate knows knows what they want yes. put it that way yes and, and gets what they want <laughs> <laughs> that's usually what happens at a buffet uh, but it was um, going into the game pretty optimistic now let's, listen we're no battering dude Peter Ed but we should be winning the game but oh. on the back of what we'd mm -hmm. been I mean you look at the long shot seven straight defeats yeah you know, yeah. going into it. I, I wouldn't, I mean, I kind of, I'm not going to lie and say that I was overly optimistic. I just, I just didn't know what we were going to get. Of course, of course, I hoped and expected that we win that game because Peterhead were absolutely garbage last season. Uh, they, they couldn't have won any more than four or five games in the league last season, I don't think. Uh, so, so yeah, of, of course, like you've got to be putting on like a, a better performance and ultimately getting the win. If, if for nothing else, just for your own confidence, your own belief that you could actually score a couple of goals, create some chances, keep a clean sheet and, and see off uh, opposition. And obviously there were changes, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I think for, for you going into the game, possibly, what did you think? Because you sent me a team. Was this for Saturday you sent me the team? No, I didn't get a team. No, your team. Oh, man. You team. sent me yeah. your team. Yeah. I had time on my hands on Friday, so clearly, so I turned into Jim Goodwin. Never at his work, um, but you had a couple of chains in there that did come in. Big Ross started the game. Yeah, it wasn't a surprise. Sheep dropping out wasn't a surprise. Uh, he's been, he's not been at it. Mm. Uh, I was, I was surprised that Kai Fotheringham didn't make the starting lineup on Saturday because I thought he was, along with the keeper, he was probably one of the bright sparks on uh, the Tuesday night against Thistle. <laughs> But, I mean, it was a cup game, but I'll concede it was a relatively glorified pre-season game yesterday because like, you're out the cup, so it's just a case of maybe bringing a few in, getting them minutes in their legs and, and also sticking with Tony Watt to get him fit, bringing in uh, Louis, yeah. Louis Moult from the start to get him up to speed as Glenn well. Glenn Middleton come back in for a start. Yeah, needing more for Glenn. Uh, needing more for Glenn. He's he's one of the more senior figures, regardless of age, in that squad. Yeah. Uh, Interesting midfield as well. The captain obviously played, but he, mm -hmm. you know, Mikasin and Mockery were in beside him. Yeah, yeah. I liked Mockery yesterday. Uh, he's one of the few that that we've got that will carry the ball. Well, he'll just nah, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. But Nibd, I mean, Nibdi likes players with the bar running at them and that's how some people are like I would maybe hey Cujo in my team I'm still not sold on Cujo because he seems to be a bit of a one trick pony he always comes inside and like if I can see that and I'm a dafty watching it for the stand I'm sure the boy that's marking him would see it after about the second attempt like oh alright this boy's always going to go on his left foot but Mochre was always trying to be positive because too many times like we go side to side to side back side to side and it's it's really no good to watch. Uh, it's no overly productive on the park. <laughs> it's easy to defend, you would say. So somebody like Mochre that's prepared to take a man on and break the lines, it just causes chaos in, in the opposition. I thought it was really interesting 
yesterday, both halves, and they were very different both halves as well, regardless of the scoreline and whatever. But in the first half, obviously, changes, he said, Grimshaw come in, mm. McMahon kept his spot, and Big Ross come in. Um, and obviously, people are going, that's two left-footed centre-halves. Uh. For years, teams play with two right-footed centre-halves, yeah. like donkeys, yeah. until people like Guardiola got involved and said, you had to split these things. And yeah. I mean, there's, I'm sure Brian Welsh tell us, Dave Nair was right-footed, but wanted to play as a left centre-back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things like that. He, he could have played anywhere he, he wanted, though. Play any place. If I, rem- if I remember, I need to drop in something. I wouldn't have normally thought about it. I'll tell you right now. A Dundee fan, come out, you might have seen this. Our mate Tazo shared a clip of this on Twitter the day. A Dundee fan talking on a public podcast compared Joe Shaughnessy to a mix of Alan Hansen and Dave Nery. Do we hear this boy's name and address? <laughs> when are you going to pay him a visit? I'll, I'll arrange the horse's head. Incredible. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, there's uh, blinker than that. What said that? Honestly, shades of Alan Hansen, and then it was like, oh, I thought you were going to say Dave Nairn. Oh, I'd put him in there as well, a mix of the two. Whoa, what? Joe, Joe, Joe Shaughnessy. I mean, he's a steady Eddie. He's he's known, he's not a Dave Nairn, he's not an Alan Hansen. No for what else. Has <laughs> he, has he, Change during the summer for a Brian Welsh. He's not even a Brian Welsh. You're spot on. Uh, I mean, that's that's glass half full stuff. Basically, that's. I mean, listen, I think the boy Seanus is a, a decent centre half because I would huddle like I would. Yeah, but he's but calm down, eh? Of course. Well, there you go. So anyway, right, we'll move Jesus, on. Jesus, calm down. You've, you've knocked me at my stride. Honestly, if you're not gonna go, just search for Tezos page and hey, listen to that. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, I mean, I it, yeah. So anyway, so changes yesterday. Grimshaw, bloody blah. Um, Ross Graham comes in and uh, plays next to Kevin Holt, whose world we're just living in, clearly. Midfield, let's see, Doc Graham with those two. What I found really interesting yesterday, this is the point I was getting at before I was... Shaughnessy, Neri, Hansen was in, in my head there. But it was very interesting in the style that our fullbacks, again, and even on Tuesday, very keen to get forward. Mm-hmm. And the way they would go, like my man will attack, attack, but he also go inside as well. Grimshaw thought put himself really about the place. Mm-hmm. The problem we've got, and I think this is evident on the three goals that we've conceded, is we do get caught on the counter with a lot of players up the park, which obviously then led to Denham's yellow card and, and stuff like that on, mm. on Tuesday night uh, so we're playing like that but also up front when you've got Louis Mole, you're playing Middleton and you're playing Watt. now we all know Tony Watt at Motherwell might have played wide left but he was now a winger he's coming inside he's playing as an, an inverted winger I believe is what they call it mm-hmm. so you've got him and Middleton both kind of doing the same thing mm-hmm. right which should then Get space for the wings. So McMahon's always going to be there. And Grimshaw, to a degree, was there, but he'd come inside as well. More so he came inside, I thought. So that that was kind of a scene. The the second half then, you went with pure wingers. Mm -hmm. You went with Fotheringham and Cujo. Like you say, Cujo had this prayer to come inside quite a lot. I don't actually think he listens, by the way. No. I think the bench shout at him, and he just doesn't think he listens. And then Kai direct. Loves to go on that diagonal trend. And like you say, but he's not like people running at them. No, no. Deco when he come on. I thought he was really good yesterday. Because he's tarting boys on, he's doing what he wants today. Yeah. You know, but we we played a totally different when we made these changes, especially in midfield, because you then went with Dockery next to Sybold and let 
Glass and Kai and everyone go for it. And obviously there was a wee change. And one thing that was evident in the second half yesterday was, now you're kind of sitting down for this and I'm glad you are. United players were taking shots mm-hmm. for even outside the box. Yes, yeah. every one of them went out of the bar. They did. But no, you're, no, you're right. Yeah. I mean, that, that was... Uh, that stuck out for me yesterday the amount of times that we had that we took a shot that we actually created a chance uh, uh, again that's a positive and again it was another another slight improvement on the previous game so every game okay we're sitting here and me and you aren't happy because we're out the cup and we've put in two pretty despondent performances really but every game I think that we have been getting slightly better listen and I'm and I said this anyway before even Jim Goodwin said this. They're not getting praise and plaudits for beating Peter, Peter Head, right? No, no. But there has been an improvement mm. and it's been nice to see some individuals take their chance or mm. look like they're going to take a chance, a mockery. I, I saw this online as well. I thought Archie Meekson was really good yesterday. But a lot of people didn't I? Yeah, I, th- I thought he was all right. Uh, yeah, I've I've saw I've saw people saying that he was terrible. I didn't think he was terrible, oh. but I, th- I thought he was all right. I thought Mochre was was uh, the better of the two. Uh, but w- what do you reckon with, with Doherty? Like, do you think he's an upgrade on Sibold or a different player altogether? Like, w- what are you thinking? Because I feel like Sibold, he's he's kind of been hard done by. Like, I, th- I feel he was our best player last season, and he's basically been reduced to a backup Doherty um, at the start of this one for some reason. I thought I thought the first half, I thought I thought the three were really good. I thought Doherty, Mokri and Mikasim were really good. I, I, but again, I think you've seen when Sybil came on yesterday, Doherty did do sitting and Sybil done a lot of moving about, chasing boys down. And mm-hmm. I think they're different players. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say they're the same player. Yeah. I would say they're even similar player. I think they are different players. And I think it might come down to, I mean, yes, I mean, when you were sending the team through and, and uh, when your team and whatever, and it was going back and forth, and I, I mean, I was scribbling down there, a 4 4 2 at one point. I'm thinking, Jim Goodwin doesn't play a 4 4 2. You know, so what's going to play wide of that left? And then who, I mean, who plays wide right? At the minute, I'd be saying Kai Fotheringham as your other winger. Yeah. I, I would, like, because I, I think we need more for Glenn Miller. But he seems to be on the left all the time, mm-hmm. doesn't he? So yeah. is that. Is that through choice? Is that because that's where we think we'll get the best out of him? Can, what's, what's wrong with trying him on the right? Yeah. If, well, you could, if you could skin a man on the left, you could probably skin yeah. a man on the I right. I mean, I think Tuesday, I think he played on both sides. Mm. I'm pretty sure they played on both sides at one point. Um, in midfield, when you've got a three, Docker is going to play as captain. I think obviously though, and I think it's been shown that if you're not playing well or not playing up to that, I think you will be dropped. Mm. So as captain, does he need to play? Well, I think that's been shown that if you're the captain, no, you don't need to play. You need to earn the right to play. And uh, until we see the step and see what he's getting, to, I think we said it the first episode back. I don't know much about him. Yeah, I know he was part of captain player of the year. I'm yeah. sure the same. I can't say I knew them because mm-hmm. I didn't watch enough. I mean, I was laughing at championship football last year, and here I am loving the thought of Friday night football again. So my weekend's no ruined. Tell yourself. Um. So so that kind of it. I'm not sure. I, has he been hard done by possibly? Mm-hmm. But again, we don't know what's happened in pre-season. We yeah. don't know if it's, you know, one of these. I mean, look at last season, two ages for him getting the team. There was a lot of, oh, he's got long COVID and this has happened and that's happened. I don't know. I really, I really don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they play. But I saw yesterday that I know that was, 
you can go home, I want to play two defensive midfielders for against Peterhead. Well, it then just gave you, you know, four or five boys to just go and attack mm-hmm. and let them, you know, if anything, come out. But it's a tough end. I don't really know yet. Yeah. I don't really know yet. I mean, bottom line, like we we played we played quite well yesterday, certainly in spells. We created lots of chances. Guys got mere minutes in their legs, like Louis Malt, Tony Watt. Got to he got a goal and he was, like you could just see from watching him, like he puts in a great a great shift as well, like closing defenders down and whatever, but he's always looking to get on the end of something. He's always looking when he's in that box. He just seems to come alive. Uh, and like we just hit a touch wood, keep fingers crossed, mm. hope and pray that he could stay fit because if he stays fit, he's going to score loads of goals. He could be as as weak as I may feel that our squad currently is because it, it does seem to be really inexperienced, a player like Louis Moult, if he bangs goals in, it's a difference maker, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it could elevate everybody around him. You saw second half, and I know you were saying that we, we played quite well, we were taking shots. You, you, you've got to also factor in that Peter Header absolutely guff, and they were probably tiring. Uh, and like we, but we were playing, we like a bit of spring in our step when mm-hmm. Deco, Rory McLeod, Kai, and that came on. Like it was, it was quite good to watch you know uh, and it could be that way if we get get a lead in games thanks to Louis Moult's goals or whatever so I mean there is hope there's definitely hope and yesterday uh, it was another similar goal to Tuesday which it turns out this is something they've been working on because how many times have we seen teams score against us like that with that bar across the goal yeah this time it was Meeks and it was Bavider and yeah. Louis Moult did his best to try and miss Nah, he just, he just put it in a place where the keeper couldn't get it. That's how he done. But, yeah. he, but he was on hand, you know, he was on hand. Uh, to, he probably should have scored another one, at least another one yesterday. Uh, but he's but he's getting there. He's he's and he's and he's no fit. Like he's miles away from being match fit, but he's still managing to get himself in the right positions. They then had a chance ten minutes before um the break, which again comes for you know, these breakaways and whatever, and they got a ban at the, the back post and the boy got the header on it before he decided to dev for no reason and got a book in. And you just, and again, it took me back to the last two games that I'd watched going, this is the, the worry. And mm. I actually think that in comfy, I think Scott McMahon got far too tight to the boy. Yeah. Um, and then it broke away and again, we, we get away with it. Second half started a wee bit slower. 10 minutes in, we make the changes. And like you say, we spoke about, we got a, a bit of a different dynamic. Then step forward, the unlikely mm-hmm. of heroes, yeah. let alone top goal scorer mm-hmm. of the season so far. Now, the penalty gets awarded. Even now, I'm, I, I've not seen a back fair angle I really like, but I thought it was soft, but I'll take it. Because when you're struggling, you'll take it in, right? There was obviously a lot of players kicking about, right? Around that. Kujo went and got the ball because it had been kicked away or whatever. He was choking to take it. And then I'm th- I'm looking going, what's talking this? And then I heard Goodwin shouting and I'm pretty sh- I thought to myself, there's no danger, he said, Kev. No danger. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's not happened. That's not happening. Kevin Olsen got the ball in his hand. I'm thinking, yeah. oh no. Oh no. But I was in the back of the night. I was the same. Like uh, I mean, I thought, I I personally was Tony Watts on the park at that time. I think yes. I think he was He's like, exactly, and I was thinking I hope it's no him taking it again. But then I wasn't I wasn't against Kujo because like you seen him you seen him when the penalty was awarded like he sprinted to do it he was clearly eager to take it, uh, but he obviously got to tell no 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 you're you're stay away from that bar 
<laughs> you'll end up out of the bar or whatever. Mm. But I was really surprised when it was Kevin Holt, and I was trying to think back. I was like, did he miss up in Dingwall when Partick shot the bed? I couldn't remember. Uh, but like he's, he's he scored. That's when you've got a penalty, you've only got one job: like mm. score it. And and he's done that uh, quite easily twice. And then three minutes later, uh, Cujo was barged off the bar into the stand nearly, mm-hmm. and it was awarded again. A, did you think it was a penalty? And B, did you think it was a red card? Well, uh, full disclosure, I did think it was a penalty, and I never seen the red card. That wasn't until after the game. Somebody was like. They, Same as me Did they finish with 10 men I was like Don't think so the, was... bo- the boy for the BBC Was 10 metre away from me And he went There's been a red card At Tannadice <laughs> Did you turn into Chris Kamara oh, I was like <laughs> How's there Jeff <laughs> wait, wait a minute I can't even see the boy Walking off the park Whom Has I, been sent I, off I genuinely yet. didn't see it No I, did, I saw the I saw the foul And I thought That's a foul It's in the box So it's a penalty I didn't see the, the red card coming. Have you seen it back No Right At the time did you think it was a shoulder barge? It just looks like he's wiped him out for where I was sitting. Well, I'm, at, I'm at the other end of the, the fox. He, he may as... Because Cujo's tiny, right? He'd probably come up to your knee, mm. right? And the boy barges him basically with his side. It's not a shudder charge. Yeah. Peterhead Twitter's like, shudder charge, been sent off for a shudder charge. Can't believe it. I was like, <laughs> looked a bit more on that to me. Hip check. Didn't think it was a red card. Now... I noticed whether the referee just got fed up and he said something because I'm no surely he's no sent him off for that right that's what I was thinking was it a straight red I did, well, I did, I've never seen it right, I did right. again so because a boy in the first half had been booked for verbals because it, it was right below me mm-hmm. the boy he, he said something oh Lino's no seen this bloody blah I'll not do the VG accent and then he said I said oh, fuck off and then he just went oh, you fought far enough for you and he booked him and I thought maybe he said something and that's mm-hmm. what happened and then then I found out after the game it was actually the co-manager that was sent off. All right. Because both their co-managers were playing. Started the game. I thought it was mental. I thought that was absolutely mental. But anyway, Kevin Holt steps up again. I thought he was going to go same side, eh? I oh. thought he was just going to do the same again. But it was the same result. Yep, same result. I mean, and, and as I say, that's all you can ask for when you get a penalty. Just bloody score it. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of centre-halves taking penalties, though. I'm going to be honest. Oh, quick quick think is there anybody in famous uh, that came up probably people, people are going to be screaming at us right now uh, probably but uh, but I think if if all if everybody's on the park left back but he just kicked it as hard as humanly possible Quite right. that's what I thought Kevin Holt was going to do yeah, Julian Dix for West Ham no but I think Louis Moult would probably be on the penalties if he was on the park mm. uh, but he was tasked with tatting two penalties scored with them what more can you ask so overall what are you th- thoughts I thought it was a better performance, uh, but albeit it was against Peterhead. So, I mean, I think you're right in saying though. Over the games, mm-hmm. there's been a slight improvement. Yeah, 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 every time, which is which is what you want, I suppose. But then it leads me to think: should we not have played an extra two preseason games, and then maybe by the Spartans game, we would have been at that level or whatever? But I mean, it's history now. We've absolutely shot ourselves in the foot yet again in, in terms of this cup uh, lost it on money for the club uh, if you get cup runs and whatever but we it was as comfortable as the scoreline would suggest yesterday even though it took two penalties to get with it to that 3-0 uh, I never felt troubled at all you, you've touched on the one the one wee chance that they had in the first half that aside that was it. The, the boy Walton could have sat beside me. Yeah, and the, the one thing I was saying after the game, actually, to to the uh, to the guys that were up on the gantry was 
what I did like about Walton is it's maybe a show of the concentration, the mental side of things, is when a bar got looped into the box when he had nothing to do for ages, mm-hmm. just come, plucked mm-hmm. it, his kick wasn't the best, but just yep. that confidence. Yeah. Ken what Ken what it is. It's a confidence in your goalkeeper now that I've seen him do it. And how many times have we seen United goalkeepers coming for a bar and you go, Oh no. Oh no, what 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 are you coming there for? Mm-hmm. Ken Boy's just coming out, no getting near that. And, and no just fans, like the defence as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, there is that, yes. centre-halves need to have a wee bit of belief in you. There was a couple of times yesterday where, I don't know if, it's, if they've got PTSD, but Ross Graham got caught a couple of times and I'm thinking, just pass it back. That's when he kept twirling. Just pass it back to the keeper. <laughs> it's it's no the Aussie. It's no the Aussie in the goal. Like this boy will deal with it. Handily. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, saying it, it was minutes for some players like Ross Graham and stuff mm-hmm. to, to get some minutes in and, and Chris Mockery to get, to get a wee bit as well. So from that, yes, is it all over for us in the Via Play Club? But it's almost. I mean, it's it's going to be quite impossible for it. I mean, Partick have played three, have got six points. Falkirk played two, got four. Uh, we've played three, got three points. Spartans played two, got three. Peterhead in the bottom played two and got one point, which means... Uh, we will head off to Falkirk on Tuesday night for the final game. Uh, I think there'll be more changes, but mm-hmm. um, again, I'd be, I mean, I shouldn't need to say this, but I'd be disappointed if I know winning that game. Yeah, 100%. No, 100%. <laughs> of course you would. They're, they're, in, they're in the league below the one that we're in. Uh, we should be the team that, that comes away with a victory through that game, regardless of it. If it just confirms that you're out the cup, we we other results going elsewhere against us. It, that doesn't matter. Like you've just got to go there, take care of your own business, make sure that you win, and try and set yourself up for uh, the league campaign, which starts just in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you've just got to win. And uh, word that come out from uh, Jim Goodwin is that I mean Niskanen should be back in the squad after a bit of a niggle on Tuesday. I've, hasn't seen any action. I thought he was on his way out. I'll be honest. Same. Yeah, I thought he was on his way out. Um, and he still might be. Let's, let's yeah. be honest. Let's yeah, be honest. Still let's be. pinch of salt when managers come away with comments. One thing that he did come out in his uh, post-match yesterday was he could do more business in the transfer market if the right target is available. It's likely to be a centre-half because I think we touched on it that we've only really got three mm-hmm. and I would be much more comfortable if I had a fourth. Yeah, but I'd also be quite comfortable if I brought in an R striker because... Actually, you know, you don't make them often, but you make a good point there, actually. Just say Louis doesn't hold up. Who's who's the replacement? Just if Louis Moltz. Mm-hmm. Who's the replacement? Um were bare bones. Yes. Bare bones. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It could so be an idea. We've, we've still got a few needs in that team. Uh but again, pinch of salt for for the gaffer saying mm-hmm. oh we'll be keeping an eye on the transfer market. You said that when you came in and we didn't assign anybody at the end of last season. Didn't need to. We're a class keeper. Do you know, see him against St Johnston and Hearts and well, Celtic. I, I saw the end result of the inactivity <laughs> and no bringing anybody in. I did see that. Uh, you mentioned Arbroath as the big kickoff the 4th of August. Tickets are on sale. Uh, the stand is sold out for that one. Um, I was walking out to the car yesterday and Scott Simpson from DUTV uh, were chatting away and I said, oh, I've got my ticket for, for the game. And, and he said, oh, we, we, we didn't get a great vantage point there. You know, it's on the BBC, so we're kind of at this level. It's not great for a commentary point of view. And then he said, but at least I've got one of those brilliant pies. Correct. So my friendship with Scott Simpson is over. No, Scott for talking can. such nonsense. Scott sounds like a man that's a connoisseur of the, <laughs> the, the pair. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's not far away. Obviously, we've not mentioned that, but obviously next Saturday they go to Carlisle mm-hmm. for the final preseason friendly. Uh, and again, I, I imagine there'll be more changes. But these are the games to really try things in as well. Or do you go full team? I think you probably have to go full team. Certainly for the start of the game. Full 11. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because again, you're kicking yeah. off the campaign six days later. Yeah, I would agree with that. But they're also the games that if NMD's even doubtful, no. Mm-hmm. You know, you just sit there again, what's Carlisle famous for? You just sit there, Hena. I mean, it's a stop on the motorway or something, is it? To, a, to a better place. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, lots to get through uh, today, including an absolute epic with Jim McAnally. But Graham Hart's also got the checkbook out. That's he, a checkbook. He's got a pen and somebody signed a bit of paper. Somebody signed a bit of paper. I think he was he was out autograph hunting and he's managed to dupe three three lasses into signing for him. So yeah, he's brought in Nicola Jameson. She's a left-sided centre-back from Spartans and she was previously with St Johnston. Now I know that, that Graham Hart tried to sign her last year, but he, he missed out two Spartans. So like it's a bonus uh, for him now that he's, he's managed to get her this year. They've also brought in Katie Frew, who's a fullback from Spartans, uh, where she was a mainstay in their team. And I know, again, Hartley's quite excited about her. And the one that I queried with him, uh, he, he brought in Jade Wilson, a centre-half from Glasgow Girls. And he was telling me he's really excited about this. Jade's a really good player. And I had to say to him, but you've brought in a player for a team that lost every single fucking game last year. I, I, what, what's, what is it that you're seeing? And he, and he was adamant. He's like, no, no, no. She was their best player. She won every award that they had. Uh, and I think Jade and Nicola, I think they're adding real pace to the back line as well, which was something that they probably lacked last season. So. Uh, I have dumped this on you, but how many players do you think have left? Uh, Including the Player of the Year, female yeah, ball well, well, winner. Fiona went, and then Eve, the centre half, went, and then Neve Guthrie, Jade McClellan, Lauren Perry, Leah Dobbins was on loan. She's away to America, so there's six. Uh, so at least few, six, yeah. at least six that I'm aware of. But then I don't think they've actually ever came out and said, "Oh, so and so," like yeah. United did. They basically say, "Right, these boys are away. Ciao, adios." I uh, don't think the, the the ladies team done that so yeah. definitely six are away okay um, anything else on the women's team you want to add nothing on the women's team no uh, I do have a wee bit of uh, a community trust update and more so like a kilt walk sponsor so once a year here on the Dode Fox podcast we like to throw out a mention for kilt walkers trying to raise money this year's no different uh, Cheryl Robertson and her 8 year old son Leo have signed up to walk the 20 miles from the old course at St Andrews all the way to I believe it's Broughty Castle uh, this year an impressive feat I think you'd agree Rondo probably a doddle for Cheryl but for little Leo to complete the walk will be a magnificent achievement uh, so hats off to the little guy for even... you were going to say it was a doddle for us no, <laughs> absolutely not at the car <laughs> uh, so hats off to Leo for even gaining it a go uh, And they're hoping to raise a few quid for the United Community Trust And if anyone can spare uh, a pound or two You can head over to Cheryl's Twitter page to do so You can find that at At Sheza 83 Jane That's Sheza is C-H-E-Z-Z-A 83-J-A-N-E Gan yourself, Sheza. Uh, the 2023 summer camps are still uh, ongoing for the Community Trust. They're at New Beachwood Park on Lundy Avenue. Uh, week number four gets underway today. 
Uh, the run between 10 and 3. Week 5 is next week. And then the final week will be week 6 from Monday the 7th to Friday the 11th of August. UndelightedCT.co.uk. A full week will cost you 50 quid. You can do single days, half days, and they do an early drop-off as well. As always, the Foundation are continuing to do great work, especially in the background just now. You might not hear from them for a while, uh, but the uh, donations, everything that come in on a monthly basis are helping uh, to uh, get a wee cash pot mm-hmm. for doing things and supporting the club and uh, incentives around the, the city and everything as well. If you want to get more info, dusf.scott. Right. One thing I'll say about the foundation, obviously they gave them the, the money for to finish the stand at Gussie Park. I think it's maybe been delayed by about a week or so. Uh, so the women's team are meant to start their season at home, I believe to Partick Thistle. I think that fixture's now going to... bastard again. It's now going to be reversed and I think it'll be the, the week after that they'll they'll be at home. Oh, cool. Yes. Nice. Right, so uh, you've had a bit of nonsense from us. Strap yourself in for an epic. I'm not sure the final running, uh, running time yet of this episode. It might... Sean Dillon? Be... The longest. Mm. But anyway, um, we sat down during our summer break with this man for over three hours. So he might mention he's going on holiday on the 2nd of July. That's clearly already been done. Uh, and it just so happens it's the weekend that we played Peterhead. So it was uh, recorded during our break in June with this man. So our guest this week is a Dundee United Hall of Famer and part of the team that broke the Hamden hoodoo in 1994. Joining us is Jim McAnally. How are you, Jim? Yeah, I'm brilliant, thanks. And uh, we were just saying before we started, uh, and sorry if you had to repeat it, but the first season in a long time, you've not had any pre-season to worry about or anything like that so far. Yes, I'm really enjoying it. I've uh, gone on holiday shortly, I wouldn't need to think about anything other than uh, enjoying myself. And to be honest, I haven't, I haven't missed it one bit, so I'm... Uh, I'm just getting on my life and uh, and enjoying it as best I can and wondering what I've done in the last 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Listen, uh, before we start, well, before we get right underway, take us right the way back to the 60s and 70s. What was it like growing up in Glasgow as a young kid? Well, I was uh, born in, uh, in Brigton, which is near Celtic Park, but moved to a place called Castlemilk, Chateau Olay. Uh, when I was when I was three or four, and I was I was brought up in Castlemilk, uh, which had been the breeding ground for for many a footballer, and uh, I probably was one of the worst <laughs> to come out of Castlemilk, to be honest, because there was some fantastic players. You had uh, the Grey brothers, you had Arthur Graham, Ray Houghton, uh, even McLaren, Charlie Miller. Uh, Wally Donicky. So lots, you know, lots of good players, and and although everybody see, you know talks about Castlemilk being a, a rough and tough place to to grow up or whatever, it was fine. It was it was, uh, you know, they were good days. I've, I've been blessed in life. I had good parents, and and uh, you know, life's always been always been good. I mean, it was. It was tough when you were young to you didn't you only got the sweetie van once a night, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you didn't have money to go every time it came and stuff like that. But that was that was just the way it was and and again I think we were lucky because it was all but just in your spare time you were out playing football, you 
you know, at school playtime, you were playing football at playtime, you were playing football after, you were playing football all night. So, uh, so no, it was it was I had a, I had a good upbringing and and uh, have absolutely no regrets in, in anything about Casamilk or anything like that. And what was your your earliest footballing memory then? For back then, well, I always remember I uh, I used to torment my life out of the 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 school teacher that took the school team when I went to this primary school called St Julie's, and uh, I always wanted to be in the school team and. Ray Houghton was actually in that school team and one day I pestered him that much when I was watching a game one Saturday morning he says go and get your boots and I didn't have any boots so my mum worked up in the, the shops in the shopping arcade so I ran up and uh, I said to her I need to get boots and she God bless her she went round and uh, bought me a pair of football boots they were called powerpoints or something and uh, I got my my Boots went down and I scored two goals <laughs> in the game, and then that was me in the school team. Uh, that was primary five or something like that, because it wasn't in, in these days. There wasn't a uh, an age thing as far as if you were good enough, you got in. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, would that have been on an old blaze pitch? Oh, aye, aye, ash pitch, aye, unforgiven. And the the pitch was tiny, I know, because you could score for you could take you could take centre and shoot and score and that. So, it was, <laughs> but no, that was I mean, get back to then, just and and again playing. I mean, Ray, Ray Houghton actually left to go to London, maybe a year later or something like that. Uh, we actually called him Ray Ray Houghton, <laughs> and then. When he made it big, he was all, all of a sudden Ray Houghton, you know. <laughs> so uh, I remember meeting him one day, and uh, it, w- it was like he didn't know who I was, but you know, I said to him, and uh, he came back to him. So it was, uh, nah, they, they they were good days, but that was my earliest memory of football is is going and and uh, badgering the the manager to to give me a game, the, the teacher. Did you go from into that school football? Did you then get in a boys' club football and stuff like that? I I played for a a team called Leeds United Boys Club. Uh, they were they were specifically based in the Godbowls area, and again uh, we had a good team. It was a a Sunday a Sunday league, and Celtic Boys Club were the best team usually. And we used to play them in most finals and lose the final all the time. But we were always a team. We always pushed them, but never quite over the line. But again, we had we had some decent players. I mean, Morris Johnson played in that team with me. Uh, a guy called Graham Mitchell who played with Hibs. Uh, and, sa- and sadly, you know, because it, 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 these times and, and the Gorbals and stuff like that, a lot of the boys have actually passed away that were in that team. I actually looked at a photo a few weeks ago. I think there was about five of them dead or something like that. Because, mm. uh, you know, you either went one way or the other, I felt at that time. You either, mm-hmm. you know, you go on with your life or I can I think the kind of a drug thing was just happening about that time. And a lot of them, a lot of them took the wrong road, you know what I mean? So, uh, so no, that was it, Leeds United. And then when I got to 14, there was always, you needed to play in the Saturday League the big thing at the time was always to be an S for him. You always wanted to get an S for him, which was 
And for me, that's what football should go back to nowadays, rather than these academies that should go back to S forums. But it was always, and I was never an S forum, and never had been offered an S forum. Uh, so it was a case of Celtic Boys Club asked me to go there to play on a Saturday, and I really didn't want to go because I like going to watch Celtic on a Saturday. But eventually, my dad said, "Look, you're going to need to try and." You know, if you want to play be a footballer, you'll need to, you need to do it. So, how old you would you have been at that time? Fourteen. Okay. So I then went to Celtic under fifteen Celtic Boys Club, and regardless of what Celtic say, Celtic Boys Club was a part of Celtic Football Club, uh, and and I find it ludicrous that that you know I see all these denials or whatever. But if you played for Celtic Boys Club, that was the feeder club hmm. or the feeder team for Celtic. And I didn't do particularly well for Celtic Boys Club. There was, I mean, Pat Nevin was in my team, and uh, he was kind of a, the 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 wonder boy and stuff like that. Uh, and the and the guy actually Frank Kearney that he's I don't know if he's in jail or he should be in jail, but he was a man. He actually hated me uh, as a player. And again, this is another way of of saying that. Celtic Boys Club was part of Celtic was that I get moved to a, to to be a left back at Celtic Boys Club because he's, I think he shunted me out of every position he could and ended up playing there and Celtic youth professional youth team were playing one Sunday and they asked for the next left back if you know what I mean because they were missing a left back and I was luckily enough I was the left back so I get called into this game against, I think it was Air United. I always remember it as St. Rocks. And uh, Charlie Nicholas and guys like that were in the team. And and honestly, whatever anybody says in life, when you play football with good players, they make you better. So luckily enough, I played that day and uh, I played, luckily I played really well. So that was me then in the, the forefront of Jimmy Lumsden, who was the manager of the youth team. And uh, so then he kept me about the youth team. And Big Frank Kearney actually hated me even more because he hadn't pushed me. Do you know what I mean? It was like, mm -hmm. no, no, I push people at Celtic. So luckily enough, I had kind of escaped that. But in that period when, when I was playing in these games on a Sunday, Bolton Wanderers had asked, asked to sign me. So I'd agreed to sign for Bolton and I was going to Bolton on the Monday the next week to start an apprenticeship. I had my train tickets and everything and I played my last game for Celtic at Celtic Park on the Thursday night against Clyde Bank and uh, after the game Billy McNeil took me into his office and asked me if I would sign for Celtic. So that was really... I think I'm a great believer that football is about being in the right place at the right time sometimes. And I never progressed because I was at Celtic Boys Club, but just because I was I played in that position and uh, I got a break where they needed a player and I went therefore I went and played with, with better players and good players make make you a better player. There's there's mm -hmm. nothing surer than that. Mm -hmm. It must have been as growing up as a a Celtic family, a Celtic fan, you think it's going to be your last game, you're playing at Celtic Park, and then a legend of the club brings you in. Mm -hmm. 
It's going to be hard to say no to that. I'm oh, listen, it was it was dream come true stuff to mm. be honest. And where I had a big advantage was is that the actual manager of the first team was the guy that asked me to sign. Mm. So I always felt as though I had a wee advantage and a lot of the other guys when it came to you know playing the reserves and and uh, etc. So I, I was I was lucky that uh, that Billy McNeil had had kind of a signed me. Therefore, you know, I'd when he was there, I played three games in the first team, and uh, and so it was a it was a dream come true. But by the same token, when the new manager came in, David Hay, I knew he didn't fancy me. So as much as I that was my team, that wasn't for me because I thought no, I want to have a I want to have a career, and uh, I knew it was time to move on. But before we get before we get to the question of moving on, did you have a first footballing hero at all? My first footballing hero was was uh, Kenny Dalglish. Mm. You know, it's and I always remember the day I left Celtic. It was heartbreaking. Uh, but Dalglish was he was uh, always my hero. Probably a lot of people's hero for that era, definitely. Uh, well, obviously, you've touched on it. You didn't get too many games at Celtic, uh, and you were loaned out to Dundee, no less, in January of 1984. Uh, so were you just happy at that stage to go and get some games or was it quite disappointing to have to leave uh, your team? No, because I always remember, you'll not remember this guy, maybe we Johnny Doyle, he was, he was a Celtic player and he got electrocuted and killed. Uh, but he was, I'm not sure if he got capped, Johnny Doyle. I always remember him saying to me, I always remember one thing, because he was in dispute with Celtic at the time. It's always a club that's better to support sometimes than it is to work for. And uh, and I knew that Davy Hay, Davy Hay was a lovely guy, a good guy, but he just, you know, you know when somebody doesn't fancy you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and obviously when the opportunity came to go to Dundee, I just thought, no, I want to go and play. I I, I want to go and prove to people that I can I can play in the Premier League. And uh, and I was just lucky enough again that, that I had a real, I think it was 10 or 12 games I played or something like that, but it was it was 10 or 12 games that really put, put me in the spotlight to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And and to a certain extent that Celtic were embarrassed and they offered me a new contract. And I said to David, you, you only go offered me this because I've done well, you know, you're still not going to play me, are you? Mm-hmm. And he didn't say nothing. And at the time, United had come in. That was so. It was coming down to the highest, highest bidder. And United, I think, had bid forty thousand for me. Dundee couldn't afford any more than thirty thousand. And uh, I was in a real dilemma because uh, I'd already played for Dundee, and I thought, oh God, I don't know if I need any hassle. The new and luckily enough for me. Nottingham Forest came in but they came in with less money and they sold me to England I think it was like type of get, get them out the road mm-hmm. you know because it'll go down there and fail anyway or whatever so I uh, so I was again luckily enough I always remember we David Province saying to me you're actually going to a better team than Celtic well, they weren't long after winning the European Cup. No, at that point. and uh, they'd no, they'd beat Celtic in the UEFA Cup that season. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and it was it was it was true. You know what I mean? It was I, I was lucky that I was going to a better team. So, what was it like meeting Clough for the first time? Scary, absolutely scary. Mm. Oh, I get fl- flown down. It was the last game of the season. Uh, Forest were playing Man United. I was actually telling Archie Knox this story on Sunday. And uh, I get picked up at the airport and it was a night game. So I get taken to a hotel, a small hotel in Derby, where the players were having their lunch before going to bed. And uh, young boy, Ficassimo, absolutely shitting myself. And I'm taken into the bar and here he is. I mean, you might not understand this, but Clough was like, Clough was in Parkinson every other week mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He was, he, he was an awesome personality. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oof. so I go to this bar and he went, oh, young man, how, how are you? And shook my hand. Can I get you a drink? And I says, can I have a coat, please? And he went, are you a fucking poof? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I was like, no. <laughs> he says, well, have a beer with us. So he then proceeds to, to come off his chair and take me through to the restaurant where the players are all sitting. Now, there was a bottle of wine at every table, right? And he says, uh, the boys are playing Manchester United tonight. And if they win tonight, they finish second in the league. And we need that. Uh so Colin, there was a guy Colin Walsh, Scott, Scottish guy Colin Walsh and that. So he kind of, I said, he sat me down with him and he says, the boys have a glass of wine because they'll put their heads down this afternoon. They'll sleep better with their wine in them. <laughs> so you can imagine just like sitting there total, in total awe of what's happening. Sitting with legends of football players like Gary Burtles and, and they were the nicest guys ever. They were really, really, really good guys that you wouldn't expect to be so down to earth and whatever. So then they go to their bed. I get taken to a, a hotel near the ground. And then at night, the Man United game. And Forrest beat Man United 2-0, I think. So he'd say to his secretary, bring Jim through after the game, put him in my office. So I get through, <laughs> sit in his office. Now Ron Atkinson is the manager of Man United there's a big story in the papers about him going about with this other bird <laughs> having an affair right so I'm sitting shitting myself in the manager's office I could hear him with the press and uh, I'm just sitting there thinking whatever he offers me I'm taking it anyway you know what I mean I was in there to negotiate I was taking anything that he offered me <laughs> I just wanted to do it there and uh, so as he comes in he just kind of a, a few steps in and Ron Atkinson comes in at his back but he's got the blonde bit with him. And he then proceeds to say to Ron Atkinson, hey cunt, get out of my fucking office with that bird. Press are everywhere. You know, and I'm sitting there thinking, he's just shouting at the manager of Man United and treating him like, you know what I mean? Like he's not Like aye. And... And I'm this wee guy for Casamilk sitting there. So he chases him. He chased him out the office and then he came and sat down and he went, now young man, he says, the wages 
I think it was £250 a week. If you're in the first team, it'll be £350 a week. And uh, is that all? Anything else? And I says, do you do signing on fees? He says, no. I said, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, do your deal. And I said, yeah, that's that's brilliant. And, uh, and, and then he proceeds to tell me, oh, by the way, we're going to Australia on Monday for three weeks. So you can just sign up and go with the team. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. I just... And so that was me away for three weeks. As soon as I had to get home for the weekend and, and whatever. He never went. He never went to Australia. Just sent to players for three weeks. I never he never went. And honest to God, I'd never seen a culture like it of mm-hmm. drinkers. Yeah. It was like Viv Anderson was was just leaving to go to Arsenal. So it was his last trip. Hans van Brocklin was a brilliant Dutch goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. He uh, it was his last trip. And then you'd guys like Bertles and Ian Boyer and, and, and all these guys. And uh about see about three nights in, I was I was finished. I couldn't drink anymore. <laughs> and we were we were playing one night. And was right? there an expectation for you to to join in? Ah, aye. Yeah. I like, could imagine. It was it was it was just unbelievable that so we were we weren't there for a holiday. We were playing the Australian national team mm-hmm. twice. We were playing Man United. Uh, we were playing the Australian B team. And the first game, the night before the first game, the assistant manager, he wasn't a nice guy. And the players all hated him. In fact, I think the manager hated him. But he, he thought, well, they like me better if they don't like him. I think that was his <laughs> philosophy. So we were sitting there and he says, right, lads, come. It was about 10 o'clock or something, right? Time for bed. And... Uh, Chris Fairclough or Viv Anderson went like that. He talked about bed. This is a holiday. <laughs> it was the first time I seen player power, right? Mm-hmm. And he went, it's not a holiday, you've got a game tomorrow. He says, the manager said, it's a holiday. So we're fucking treating it like a holiday. <laughs> so he was trying to lift their drinks off the table. They were putting their drinks back down on the table and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I just went to my bed anyway because I was, I was young or player, whatever. But it was... Uh, it was an amazing uh, experience, but they quickly called me, they nicknamed me the dead man because I couldn't cope anymore. I was like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I can't do this. And it was a, John Robertson, uh, the winger John Robertson is a good friend of mine. And I, he had his 70th in February there and I went down to Nottingham and he had the, the big party at the, at the club at Forest. And I hadn't seen any of these guys for, for years. And I was sitting and Gary Burtles just looked at me. And he went, oh, this is made my night. The dead man's appeared. <laughs> <laughs> a name you hadn't heard for years, yeah, probably. The, the dead man. <laughs> that, was, that was what they called me, you know what I mean? And uh, oh, it, was, it, was, it was an amazing uh, experience. And so I, I still hadn't really... The manager had still hadn't seen me play. Mm-hmm. And then... I went to come back home, went for pre-season. We went to play Panathinaikos in the Olympic Stadium in Greece and he still didn't come to the game. <laughs> He's on Parkinson. I, I actually scored. Right? I actually scored. And by the way, it's one of the best goals I ever scored and there was about 60,000 there. And uh, we come back and he still hadn't seen me play. So 
when it came to the season starting, I wasn't anywhere near the team because he hadn't seen me play. <laughs> and that was just the way it was. He seemed to let his coaches or his scouts sign the players. And then uh, I suppose he would assess it as it went. And then it was after about three weeks or something like that. I always remember it. He used to put the team up on the wall or the squad up on the wall in the, in the team. And uh, there was, beside the dressing rooms, there was a club called the Jubilee Club. It's still there. That's that's still there to this day. It's like a social club. So before the game, we're playing Norwich one day and I was sitting having a shandy uh, with a couple of the boys. And the assistant manager comes and says, one of the boys is injured, you need to play. So like, I'm having a shandy and then get called through and then put my strip on and that. And it's the first, first time he'd seen me play. I actually got man in the match <laughs> and I still didn't play again until about Christmas time. <laughs> yeah, shandy before every game then. <laughs> well, you had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is gospel truth. When mm. we used to get away on a Friday night, and Ian Boyer was actually up recently because Gary's his son. Yeah. And he, I, I spent a bit of time with Ian and he was telling Alison, my wife, he'll never forget my face when we went to play Liverpool at Anfield and we went to Southport on the Friday night and we got there, Clough would drive down or somebody would drive him down and we went to the cinema. So come back for the cinema, about 10 o'clock or something like that. And I'm rooming with Ian Boyer. He's the captain. So, throw my clays off, jump into bed, watch the telly. And he says, his name was Bomber Ian Boyer. What are you doing? I says, oh, it's getting a different way. He says, no, and the manager comes up and he's doing a drink. And I went, what? So sure enough, the phone goes in the room. Captain, get the boys down for a drink. So I'm like, that's just not the old man. So then we go to the bar. <laughs> what are you having? I said, I'll have a, no, no soft drinks. Needs to be alcohol. You'll sleep better. That was always his thing. You'll sleep better. Yeah. So he used to say to me, I remember you used to have a drink called a Marcus and it was like a stout. And he used to always say to me, you have a stout, son. There's, he said, there's a baby in every bottle. So... <laughs> <laughs> so so that, that that was the way it was. I mean, it was just, you know, culture. We, we never trained. We never trained. We used to go for walks, didn't mm -hmm. the train, the River Trent. But where I was naive was, was that the good pros, and there was plenty of them, when we got so far, they used to run back. I would walk back with the manager because I thought he's, his partner was magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think, as he's brilliant. Because he used to even stop getting ice creams and all that and, and whatever. We stop at a cafe, get ice creams and I used to think, as he's brilliant. I, mean, I always remember him shouting out at uh, Justin Fashnew one day because Notch County were training, held the train and he's he's waving at Justin. And I'm thinking, well, he actually got him lifted. He got him arrested for, for the city ground because he was crap. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't leave. And he says to him one day, get out of the club and then the, end, the police, the, he got the police to take him in and take him out. <laughs> he paid a million pound for him. Yeah, that's right. And uh, he's waving to him and he's waving back to him and stuff like that. And I, <laughs> just, I was just like living the dream, if you know what I mean. 
But but in the meantime, my fitness was getting worse and worse because uh, no doubt. I wasn't training, <laughs> you know. Is it true you spent Christmas Day there? Aye. aye at his house? I was at his house for Christmas Day. It was, again, an experience. I didn't eat vegetables. And he sat and made me eat a full plate of Brussels sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> he, always had, he always had a drink in him. Right. Mm. I mean, he always... It's fair to say it now at the time... When, see, when you played for Forrest, the journalists were at you constantly to say, to, going to tell us he's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Especially players that left, they get, used to get offered good amount of money at the time to say he's an alcoholic. They knew it, but they didn't say it because they needed him because mm-hmm. he was such a big story. So, uh, no, I, I mean, it was really nice. I mean, he, he, Steve Hodge came with us. Steve, Steve Hodge was a local, he was a local boy, but he wanted him to come and accompany me but Nigel was there and I was quite friendly with Nigel his son uh, but the whole experience of dinner was was just bizarre because I'd had to eat all this, like the vegetables and stuff like that and then he was doing the cooking and then he remembered that he'd left all the, the drumsticks in the oven so when you think you're finished he goes <laughs> oh blow me <laughs> he goes and brings these drumsticks out. so you're sitting there Forcing stuff down you that you don't want. <laughs> but this time, his family, his wife and that, are, they're fed up listening to him. Do you know what I mean? They, they obviously live with him. They go through in, 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 the, in the living room. So we go through to the living room and uh, he says to Nigel, put the video into the Celtic and Forest game. <laughs> and it was... Uh, Ian said John, I think, and Greavesy that were that were hosting mm. the game live or something. And he's shouting at the telly, Hey, we fucking beat his <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it was it was an unbelievable experience to to and whatever people say about him, it takes a special man to take somebody into their house at Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh that side of him was never seen. I'll tell you another story that it's been highlighted recently. It was such a bizarre story. It couldn't it couldn't really be highlighted at the time. We played Newcastle one day and we stayed in Sunderland. It was Guy Fawkes time and we went for a walk after we ate. He always sent you out for a walk and it was pretty black, it was cold. And anyway, we got back to the hotel and these two wee kids, Penny for a guy and I, swear, I think one was nine and one was ten. And they hadn't seen a bar of soap for a long, long time. So anyway, Kenny Swain was was one of the players, he was a lovely guy. And Kenny says, Look, if you come back in the morning, I'll get make sure all the players sign your autographs. So again, done that in the morning, had breakfast, go for a walk, come back, and then sign all the autographs. So Cluffy sees the kids and the manager of the hotel was horrified that he actually brought the kids in. He said, I'm doing for something to eat. And all the kids wanted was a plate of chips, mm-hmm. right? So he then proceeds. Well, it was quite funny actually because they were calling him Brian, and we were sitting like we schoolboys, you know, sitting sniggering and all that, you know, <laughs> calling because they're calling him Brian and stuff like that. And uh, he then proceeds to say, "Geez, want to come to the game, right?" Now I knew I wasn't playing because at the time I would was only thirteen players or something. I was I was the fourteenth player. I wasn't playing that day. So I'm sitting and thinking to myself, it's 22 miles to Newcastle, mm-hmm. right, for a start. So the kids are like, yeah. 
So he puts the kids on the team bus, <laughs> take the kids to Newcastle, sat them in a the dugout, right? Play the game, back in the dressing room, kids are sitting there. And he says, Jim, uh, he says to the kids, you want to come back and stay with me? And the kids are like, yeah, that would be good, Brian. You know? <laughs> so he says to me, Jim, would you got on phone their mum? And the wee boy says, Brian, my mum's not got a phone. And the other wee boy says, my mum's neighbour's got a phone. And he says, do you know the number? And they said, yeah. So he scribbles down a number and says to me, right, would you go up? Gives me a ten, two ten pence pieces because it was only pay. It wasn't the mobile phones in these days. So I have to go up uh, the the pay box, and I'm a wee guy for Castle Milk speaking to somebody for Newcastle to tell them that Brian Clough's going to take your son home, and could you run across the road and tell his his mother because they were only cousins. The the, the kids they were only brothers. Mm-hmm. So he kept them for a week. Right, he kept them for a week. And he dressed them and got them strips and tracksuits. And years later, years later, I'd went to Nottingham. I used to go down every every summer to visit friends. But years later, I was walking down Central Avenue in, in Nottingham. And somebody shouted on me. And he says, you don't know who I am. It was one of the kids. So Brian Clough had a post office. And the boy was running it. Huh. But in the meantime, over the years, I get an amazing amount of phone calls for guys that were doing books. Mm-hmm. A guy called David Sadler on that. There was two or three that were doing books. And he says, we, we can't tell the story because in this day and age, yeah. with the way it was with kids, mm-hmm. but eventually what's happened is, is that the boys have actually come out now. Mm-hmm. One of the boys died because he he couldn't kick his, his drug habit. He died. But one of the boys, and I think, and I think eventually what happened was, is that even the boy that was running the place started stealing for the cloths, and uh, the boy, I think he used to scout for Nigel at Burton Albion and stuff like that. So I think it turned a bit messy. But the story came out, and somebody actually sent me the boy's story. I think it was in the athletic, is it the Athletic or yeah, something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah, it was in the Athletic or something like that, and it, it was an amazing story. But we couldn't tell it just because mm. you know the things it was going to be with, with yeah. kids and whatever the you know what I mean it, yeah. but it was an incredible man yeah um, you were all, you were only at the city ground a year and a half uh, Coventry City signed you the, and then you would meet a man called Dave Bowman aye <laughs> how did the move come about was it just time to go and what was it like meeting Dave Bowman well the move came about because uh, English teams weren't in Europe at the time, and I think it was it was after Heysel, Heysel, yeah. and there was a ban, and money was was pretty pretty short. So Clough had decided to start selling off some players, and uh, there was like myself, Steve Wigley, Peter Davenport, Chris Fairclough, guys that he hadn't really paid any amount of money for that. You know, he likes me. He bought me for thirty, and I think he sold me for eighty to Coventry. But even that was messy because Donald Mackay, the old Dundee manager, mm-hmm. was a manager of, of Coventry. And when I got the call to go, I was actually up the road. I was injured because when see when you're injured, they used to just send you back up to Scotland until mm-hmm. you were fit again. 
And then he says, come down, he says, uh, we've accepted a bid for Coventry for you. He says, so come to the, it was the same hotel, always the Swallow Hotel in Derby. And uh, Donna McKay will be there. So he's like, <laughs> Donald was as scared of him as I was. <laughs> and so we, we kind of meet up and he says, uh, he'd said to me before Donald came, what would you like, what would you want to go? I said, I'm looking for 25,000 signing on fee. Mm. Okay, so Donald appears and he says, you give that young man 25,000, you've got him. Is that okay? You give him 25,000? I was like, yeah, yeah. So, as soon as Clough goes, he went, I can't give 25,000. <laughs> I can't give 25,000. <laughs> so, it was like, it took about two or three weeks to happen and uh, it was a disastrous time for me at Coventry. Hmm. Uh, I got injured my first day because I, I tore my hamstring, get sent up to Scotland, never get any treatment. My hamstring just healed like and a knot. Mm-hmm. So the first time I'd done something again, it just ripped. And that was my first day training with Coventry. So uh, I, I, I knew Bo because we and Bo played in the same Scottish team. Mm. We, we we played in the team that won the, in Finland and stuff like that. So I knew Bo quite well and we'd always go on. So, uh, so it was easy for me to go there and, and have a kind of a pal there. We both and uh, and then obviously the United thing came up. I mean, I was absolutely desperate to to get away. I hated at Coventry, and Dundee United always been a team that were knocking in the door and being in big games. And that was just, you know what I mean. That was just what I really fancied doing. And uh, luckily enough, the two is came together. What what would it have been like meeting wee Jim for the first time then? Well, again, me and Bo done that together really. We, we strength came. in numbers <laughs> <laughs> and he, he drove us I don't know what tell you he drove us he drove around us, the ferry around. he took it I always remember taking us to Gutterson and then there and on he says you don't want to stay here you can't get out in the morning with the traffic it's amazing what you <laughs> it's remember very true. it's amazing what you remember and uh, <laughs> he didn't need to sell it to me to be honest he, he didn't need to sell it to me because when I was when I'd been at Dundee I knew how good United were because I think they beat us 5-2 in a game or something like that at, at Tannadice one night and uh, I knew and but I actually played Forrest I came up with Forrest to play in Jim McLean's testimonial mm-hmm. and they absolutely pumped us Dundee United so I knew how good a team they were mm-hmm. so it was a no-brainer for me my only problem was is my fitness was a disgrace and nowhere near the, the accepted standard of Dundee United. Yeah, Bo, Bo says that when you were getting the tour around, he said he'd take you around, you'd see Paul Hegre in his garden, Aye. he'd be waving, <laughs> and, and he says, but then once you were signed, you <laughs> then seen the real Jim McLean. What it was like. Um, he also said when Dave Bowman said about the move that it was a big drop in wages for him mm-hmm. to go to United. You know, would that have been the same for you? I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier it was two fifty, three hundred. What have you got there? But but you were probably more desperate just to get up the well, road. Well, listen, it was probably worse for me because when I went to Coventry, I was put on a five fifty basic, and then I was going to six fifty. I had a four year contract, mm-hmm. and I was going to six fifty. And United offered me two ten, and I thought, and I thought twice about it because money was the. You know, I've seen about anti twenty five thousand. I'm not go to. Do you know what I mean? It was like you just heard all these things and you tried your luck and and whatever. But no, I come back for two ten and never never batted an eyelid. And uh, knowing that we had to stay, 
in the area also mm. was something that I never batted an eyelid about because that was just what you had to do. That was and something that really um, uh, really annoys me present day. It really annoys me present day that it doesn't harm. And actually, I met Bo the morning after the relegation. No, the, no, the Kelly game, sorry. And I said to him, Bo, it really annoys me that the the fact that there's too many travellers now. And he says, oh, it'd be fair, Jimmy, they all get one-year contracts. I says, like, one-year contracts or two-year contracts and about four or £5,000 a week. Mm. It's a bit different for us, but we won £210 and still made the commitment. Because I always said at United, we always the upper hand in Dundee because we all stayed here. Always said that. And I've always been anti-St. Andrews, anti-St. Andrews because it's no Dundee. Mm-hmm. And the big thing at United was every Friday the school kids used to come in. There would be different amount of classes going about the pitch and getting out of grass, getting 40s, used to come out after training. And I know they go in about training facilities and all that, but the best training facilities in the world have relegated them twice. Yeah. It doesn't, honestly, it doesn't matter to me. And they must be paying top dollar for St. Andrews. And for me, it's 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 an image thing. And they've lost that, uh, that togetherness where we could, we trained every Christmas, every Christmas day because we could, because we were here. So we were never put out. You know, we could play a game and, and we say, right, he's on Sunday. We're on on Sunday because we all stayed here. So I always think that's why we we always had the upper hand. And not just on Dundee, especially Dundee, because Dundee always had travellers and, and whatever. And I remember I, I spoke to Dundee supporters, I think it was a businessman's club or something one night, and I said we always had the upper hand because that was that was the way I felt. That's just my opinion. Can you remember your debut? No, for your, United? No, your competitive debut, your debut for United, yeah. Uh, it was a friendly, a pre-season friendly. I can, I can remember having some horror games in the reserves. <laughs> we could beat, I think we could beat six with Rangers one night or something like that. And well, this and, one was at Starks Park. Aye, <laughs> Keith no. Wright, Keith Wright double. I'm convinced. No, that I was at the game, but he must have elbowed at least one of the goals. <laughs> he was aye. fond of the uh, Listen, I, all I need to say is, see that whole preseason. It was just a blur to me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Must have I been was, hard though if you're saying that your fitness was below. Oh, and wasn't it just below? It was it was miles below. East. I, mean, I, I seen a forty mean bow when I signed. I was like two stone overweight or something like that. <laughs> it was like unbelievable how how far away fit I was. And uh, but that obviously didn't deter Jim McLean for signing you. He must have. No, no, his... he didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. He signed me probably in the back of what I'd done at Dundee, and then when I went to Forest. I got player of the year at Forest mm-hmm. in my first season and uh, he, you know, probably signed me in the back of that. He didn't know how little we trained as such, you know what I mean? It was, uh, and uh, so I always, I mean, you're talking about playing Wraith Rovers. I can remember playing pre-season games against teams at Stirling University and the pitches were massive and I could hardly get about them. Mm-hmm. And he, oh, I mean, he crucified me. He did crucify me. And in fact, see pre-season training, I was that bad 
Ralphie and Clarkie were actually running past me. <laughs> <laughs> now, when they two run past you, you're in trouble. <laughs> so it took me a while. And then Stuart Hogg came on the scene. Mm-hmm. And Stuart Hogg took me for sessions in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. He was a sprint uh, coach, wasn't he? Aye, but he was a he was, listen, he was an athletics coach. Yeah. So he knew Was he no st- was he no still working with Peter Head? Aye. I mean he's he's always been top level. I mean yeah. he's an he's an Olympic coach, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Top level in everything he done. Uh so he kind of I took him under his wing. But I'm pretty sure when I made my kind of a full debut at Hamilton mm-hmm. that I only got a game out of he he we had the semi-final with Rangers and the Tuesday or Wednesday at Hamden and he wanted to play me to rest players and he came down the bus I always remember he came down the bus and he went he always said would you be confident to playing in the middle of the park and getting about people and hadn't he played in the middle of the park mm-hmm. and I went aye of course I would but by this time I was fit I'd got my fitness up because I was in most afternoons because <laughs> I always remember he, he called me up to his office one day and because uh, I wasn't getting in the afternoons, because he used to say, "Come in the afternoon if you want," but I didn't realise if you want meant you're fucking in. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so then he called me up. He says, "When you signed here, was it a part-time contract or a full-time contract?" <laughs> and I says, "Full-time." And he went, "Well, get fucking in the afternoons, you wee <laughs> So I was in every afternoon, and uh, I just gradually my fitness got to a certain level. Mm. And then that day at Hamilton, I just absolutely loved it. Loved it. I just, first time I'd played in there and all I did was press the ball. Press, 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 press. And we won five or something like that. Mm. And I got man in the match. And uh, so getting back up the road, the bus, he come down and he sat beside me and he went, you got a dog? <laughs> and I said, ah, he says, take it for a walk tomorrow. He says, because you'll be playing on Wednesday. And then that was me. Never, well, I never looked back after that no that's like obviously it did take a wee while and you've explained because fitness levels and whatnot. but once you got into the side you were rarely out of it that season uh, it was a monumental season for the club and uh, we obviously kind of go over all the games but we've picked out some of them so 26th of November at home had you split mm-hmm. you would score your first goal for the club must have been a proud moment for you oh unbelievable and again I was playing a wee bit different position that night because he used to shift you like in the, if you play in the middle of the park and because I hadn't really played a lot in the middle of the park he decided this night he would play me in the right of a four I think it was and uh, and that's how I scored because he said to me when it's coming down the opposite side make sure you're getting in at the back post and the ball broke to me at the back post and uh, it was just a fantastic feeling I mean to even for me just playing European football mm-hmm. but I'd, all, I'd already felt, to be honest, in the Lens game at Tannadice, uh, I'd played a big part in two of the goals in that game, where I flicked the ball or somebody's head, and I'd, I'd really got a big confidence boost in that game because they were a top team. Mm-hmm. And uh, People that we spoke to about the first leg of that say that like they absolutely battered us. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I was a sub. I, I was, yeah. That was before I was in the team. I was a sub and... I remember watching that game and I thought we've got to jail here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even at, even at Tannadice, they were, they were a good side and uh, and I'd 
that night I'd, I think I'd flicked the ball or somebody said and beat the offside trap or something like that and I just felt good and f- kind of a fair end on in uh, but to score my first goal was was special because I, I'd obviously never scored many goals but but that was a special goal and uh, it was just all part of the it was like a dream I was living that season it was just like a dream mm-hmm. uh, One of the things that I mean that season we'll get to the Barcelonas and everything but one thing we like to bring up is that one of the most prestigious tournaments of world football, we always played badly in it, the Tenant Sixes. Aye. You must have played in it. Why were we so bad and what was it like? Well, you're talking about the Tenant Sixes. Somebody showed me a goal that I scored in it last week <laughs> against Dundee and I can't believe it. I, I, I never remembered scoring a goal. <laughs> we really didn't take the Tenant Sixes. I mean, B Jim didn't go, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I think it was Gordon Wallace that used to take us but ah, listen that wasn't it it was just a laugh was it aye aye we were, always, we were never ever nah. good in it we I always mean, it, to bring it, it, in. it does irk me and Ronnie that we never bloody won it but <laughs> it was a laugh it was a laugh uh, it was, it was uh, don't get me wrong you didn't you you did the no try mm. but it was just a completely different game uh, and uh, I think it was a lot of fun for fans in that that went and obviously it was different, different it was I mean? different aye in fact that was the next time that I met Brian Clough. Oh, was that? Oh, because they, Forrest, got, they got invited. Forrest came up, year, right? Yeah. And see, when I left Forrest, uh, when I left Forrest, again, journalists came asking you, going to slaughter the manager? And I said, no, I'm not slaughtering the manager, but what we'll do is we'll slaughter the assistant manager if you, if you give me a chance. So anyway, I slaughtered. And there was a story, uh, they went training after I'd done that article. And the trend, and there was a bit of a plank of tree or something, or there was a bit of wood. And he says, Boys, stop and salute. There's Jim McAnally just sold his cell down the river. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, remember, what do you call the, 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 the guy Francis? Uh, Someday Francis. He was, a, he was a BBC reporter. Anyway, he done it in his book. So the next time I came across Clough was at the Tenant Sixes mm-hmm. and I was sitting in the wee dressing room and I could hear the voice, where is Mac and Ali? <laughs> and I thought, oh, fuck, here we go. <laughs> and he came in and he went, oh, son, and he gave me a big kiss. <laughs> and then that was it. And I thought, that's me. I can, I can rest <laughs> easy now because he's, he's obviously no... Uh, you know, holding any grudges against me or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, I that that was that was the ten at sixties that they they get invited up. Mm-hmm. I remember that they didn't do particularly well either. Didn't they? No, no, they no. were, they were no. about ten pint deep. <laughs> oh, I know, know. mid season jolly. And I think uh, if, if I remember right, see when I was at Forest, we had a rain team bus right, which which Clough done in a deal when he was buying a player for Brighton. He, he bought a bus or something like that <laughs> we had the rain bus and I think he charged I think he charged them for flights and sent the bus up <laughs> <laughs> so so I think tenants and his bonzers had fought out a few a few bob and then he sent the boys up in the bus <laughs> what a guy I know oh, incredible so, so we were going great guns in Europe. Barcelona's name comes out the hat. So, what were your initial thoughts, and did you actually think like we've got a chance against them? I just again, 
uh, see when I say a dream come true, it was like me, I was like living in a dream. I was like, this is just unbelievable what's happening to me. I don't know if it was because, again, I'd playing in a new position and stuff like that and I just was really enjoying everything about football. And to be honest, the manager, the boys used to laugh because he used to always praise me all the time. And uh, and I think I'd got so much confidence with him, you know what I mean? And uh, when the Barcelona game came up, I, I thought we would we would give him a game. Mm-hmm. That was that's the general consensus when uh, we ask that sort of question to to your ex teammates. Nah, listen, I just used to look about me, and I knew that I was playing with good players, mm-hmm. and like Neri, Malpass, Hegarty, Ban, and Sturrock, fantastic players. Yeah, you know what I mean. And in fact, I was telling, I was speaking to a journalist for the Press and Journal today. I was telling that I met Morris on Sunday and. He dealings with him at Inverness. I said, you know something, Morris Malpass is one of the most underrated players that I could recall mm-hmm. in my football career. Mm-hmm. He says, was he that good? I said, he was that good. Mm-hmm. He was a fantastic player. And you had all these guys dotted about that team and, and that, that was a kind of an end of a team to a certain extent. You know, their 83 team, Holt, yeah. he was another one, Holty. Mm-hmm. You could just so reliable these guys were so reliable and uh, and obviously Big Tom won goals it was a fantastic keeper so so no you, you just used to have a look about you and as I said to you at the very start of the programme football's easy when you play with good players mm. it's no easy but it's easier mm. when you play with good players mm-hmm. see, for, see for you and we, we kind of glossed over a bit earlier you've mentioned some of the names what was it like for you going into that dressing room with those type of players like at pre-season or when you just signed your Nerys and Sturricks, Ferguson's Gallaghers and, and, the, and the rest? Uh, well, again, they I'm sure, pretty sure they just come back off the World Cup. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it Mexico World Cup? Yeah, yeah. but I think United had and, five and players. And five, there, they yeah. had five players in it. And they came in maybe a week later or something like that, mm. if I remember right, they came in. I'd already knew Luggy. I'd come across Luggy and uh, I'd... I'd you know, played against them obviously when when I was at Dundee and stuff like that, and I'd met them a few times because I was staying, mm. I was staying up. But no, it was just. Did you play up against them when you were at Dundee? Then why would you win directly against them and thought he's no bad? Well, I knew that. As I said, <laughs> like apart from Dundee, I played against them at Forest, and uh, and we we had a good team at Forest, and that's I mean, big Johnny Metcalf had just signed for Real Madrid and. And with Gary Megson, it was his one and only appearance was actually at Tannadice that night. Gary Megson, we just signed for Sheffield Wednesday for 400,000. And the wee toilet at Tannadice, uh, you could hear somebody being sick in it. This was after the warm-up. I was just going out to play. It was a, it was a, and he'd, he'd get the ginger hair in that, Mex. And Cloughy went, are you okay, son? And he went, yeah, he says, just make myself sick before every game. He says, well, you'll never make yourself sick in my dressing room again, son. <laughs> he played for the half, got substituted, and was never seen again. <laughs> United did run out of the topias. I mean, United were, were obviously maybe a wee bit further ahead than us fitness-wise. Mm-hmm. But God almighty. And then Clough spent all his time after the game trying to tap golf. <laughs> and we Jim caught him. Mm-hmm. And then I think Clough's way away it was to kiss wee Jim in the lips. 
He's in his horrifying. I always remember that. You could just imagine it as well. Eh? Oh. Um, to the night itself then, first leg at Tanadice, Barcelona are in town. You know, anything stand out? Is it wee Jim's team talk? Is it the atmosphere? Is it Kevin Gallagher telling you he meant it? I think, I think first and foremost was the atmosphere because it was, I think there was people came from all over Scotland for that game. Mm-hmm. Was it £25 a ticket? I'm pretty sure the season ticket holders get in for nothing. And I'm pretty sure it was something ridiculous for a ticket, £25 mm. or something like that. It was United obviously wanted to make up what they were losing because maybe we had 4,000, 5,000 mm. season tickets. I mean, we think that's ridiculous now, let alone in <laughs> 1987. I, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure, don't quote me yeah. that, but I'm pretty sure it was a How dear ticket. looking at that? It was, I'm pretty sure it was a dear ticket because, mm. and uh, and obviously, well, we're the only team left in Europe at the time. There was a big interest in the game. And like I know, I had people coming from all over the place to watch it, and the atmosphere was was just brilliant for a start. And uh, you just you just thrived on that. I mean, I always think the best games. I always say to people, when you're playing a big game and you enjoy it, you know that you can handle it. You know what I mean? It's just sometimes people could play in big games and just. You know, no go hiding, but run up their backsides and no take part in the game. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know that that night, just always we Jim always gave you a job today, right? And and my job that uh, that night was uh, was at Carrasco. Yep, what a player he was, and the best thing that ever happened to us was he got booked, and he was at the second leg, and uh, we Jim just said to me, "Don't let him out your sight." I I done that a lot in a lot of games where I used to man mark and and obviously we got that goal at the start of the game and uh, that gave us that gave us something to hang on to yeah. Bo said it was right off the training ground <laughs> aye listen I've had this for years there's no way you meant to score that goal but listen it didn't matter it didn't and, and uh, it was just a fantastic occasion and I always remember after the game right to, I mean I know we'd we'd hoggy there at the time and we sports science and all that but it didn't stop me eating a lot of shite right <laughs> and I always remember the day of the game I used to get the morning then I was doing it Ruby Young's in South Martin Road she had a bakery and I used to get the biggest cream cakes ever <laughs> and uh, I think I had a pie or something like that and I always remember after the game I couldn't get off the toilet I was sitting in the dressing room at Tannery's and wee Jim come and says you need to go and get your man in a match award because luckily enough I had one man in a match that night <laughs> and I, could, I was like I can't get off the toilet <laughs> and uh, it's funny it's funny the things you remember <laughs> but uh, that's one of my proudest uh, you know I've got a man in a match and I've got a I've got a, a crystal uh in, in my in my cabinet and that's one of my proudest you know things that I've got in, in the game because it was uh, actually do you know something I only watched that game for the first time about maybe six or seven months ago and I thought I wonder why I won that because after watching the first half I thought how did I win that but the second <laughs> half I actually made a few tackles <laughs> and that's how I won it I think because I made a few tackles mm-hmm. 
but uh, it's a, it's amazing the certain difference there, and it, I'm glossing over a wee thing. But John Holt was on with us ages and ages ago. We've been lucky to do a couple of events with John, right? John was man the match in the in the second leg, and we says to him, "Man the match in a new camp, like we've qualified for the semi. It's amazing." And he just went, "Ah, it was good." No, and I just thought it's just like it was his job, eh? Wow, job like done. unbelievable! But Aye. again, and then more we've spoke to them, done the events with them, and they speak about wee Jim. But the way and the standards, like he never enjoyed the league win, never enjoyed it, never enjoyed the league cup. And I think it was just someone drilled in because, I mean, I'd be telling Abdi forever. I mean, Dave Bowman also tell people he scored in the new camp. <laughs> That's an ongoing story. It's went on, but I just thought if I was man the match the new camp, we'd won. Believe me, I tell Abdi to this <laughs> aye, day. Aye. You know, but you're saying it's one of your proudest moments. It just shows the difference. It's, I think it's aye, a, but, but an incredible you, thing. You know that story with Holtie, didn't you? I've told that. That's been told a hundred yeah, times mm-hmm. yeah. with, with me and Holtie. Oh, yeah. Yep. After the game. And that's one thing I always put down to wee Jim was that the guys that had been there, mm. they never quite knew how good they were. And that was a fault of wee Jim that, mm. that, uh, that he never you know, gave them the platform that, that, that they deserved, if you know what I mean. Mm. And uh, John Holt was a massively underrated footballer. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And uh, that was, that was you know, we, we Jim was a great coach, but as far as manager goes, completely different. And guys like Holt, uh, never, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not a confident person. I wasn't a confident player. I had to go out in the park and make, make it. And what you wanted to do was you wanted to please the manager. And you wanted to please Jim McLean. If you please Jim McLean, you knew you were doing well. So that's where I was. But like say guys like Holt, I think maybe if he did no so good game, he could be dropped. Hmm. And I think that's what can happen to footballers. Hmm. Sometimes footballers, you get ones that are, if there's a decision to be made, Holt is easy way out. Hmm. And, yeah. he's, and he'll no say nothing to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously in management, I've seen that myself where you think, well, I've got a decision to make here. Will he give me a hard time? Or will, you know what I mean? So mm. I do think that that was, but hope he, I hope he was, was yeah. outstanding. Incredible moustache as well. Um, <laughs> Ian, <laughs> Ian Ferguson told us he went for a beer the night before the, the game in the new Camp. What, what did you get up to? Anything different? Nah, nah. I wouldn't have, I always remember that, him and, him and Reddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, got up to, I can't believe how brave they were today, something like that. You were always the one thing you were always worried about with wee Jim was is somebody knocking your room door. I used I used to horrify me right that, that you were a grown man, and somebody would say be in your bed, or, and you would be there, and they would still chat your door and get you out your bed to say are you in your bed? <laughs> <laughs> I used to hate that, and what I used to think was if I was I used to I was always dying to say this to wee Jim. Pick your victims. Mm. You know what I mean? Go to Fergie's room. Go to his room. Don't come to my room or Malpass's room or Neri's room because we're in our, we're in our yeah. beds. You know what I mean? Who would you have shared with? Who would have been your roommate? Quite? Well, I, I was on that trip. I was with uh, Holtie because that's where we had that conversation after the game when yeah. he was telling me I'm going to forfeit. Mm. I'm like, what? Yeah, if you're not. Aye. <laughs> that, so, you know, we 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 changed well listen you didn't change because we Jim was that uh, superstitious, superstitious yeah. that you know for, for trips you, you just uh, you went with whoever you went with when you won type mm. of thing you know but uh, it was 
No, I was oh, there's a lot of things I remember about that trip. We gym had a pal called David Gordon, and uh, he was a tennis coach. And he, God bless David, I think he's he, he passed away no long ago. But we gym used to bring him in when we needed to be cheered up. So the boys would tie him to the goalposts. <laughs> he used to come in with a purple buckta tracksuit on, right? <laughs> so they, we would take it off him and you know who would be the, the worst one would be Bo. We would get the groundsman's fork and fork the tracksuit and uh, the ball holes and stuff like that. And then we would go training and Davey would be there. And on our way back for training, we would throw him out in the Kingsway <laughs> with his clays off and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So anyway... He had been in Monaco or something like that and made his way up to Barcelona for to stay with us. And I think we Jim stuck him in a room with one of the young boys. Uh at no you know what I mean, without paying for him. <laughs> and uh the other the other really thing that sticks in my mind about that trip is Luggy was on this diet about, you know, trying to keep himself fit and that. So we're sitting the first meal in Barcelona. A luggy comes in with a plastic bag and brings it. He brings it honestly a bottle of orange juice, <laughs> and we aiming Barry well at luggy is like taking coal in Newcastle. <laughs> he says, "Look at we've got big jugs of orange juice all on the tables here, the nicest orange juice ever, and you've just produced a bottle <laughs> for Dundee out your bag." You know what I mean? <laughs> you never tell me that. He did not tell us that. Aye. <laughs> You were spotted in the little chapel at the top of the tunnel that night, praying for a win or well, to listen, avoid a hiding? Again, we had no choice. We jam well like that. Catholics get to chapel. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just to win. Yeah. It wasn't a mass or anything like that. It was, he, he was, he, he just, anything that went, right, I'll use Tim's. I'll use Tim's getting into that chapel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all the wee things you just, you know, you never forget about. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like uh, even I was showing my wee grandson the two goals a few weeks ago at the end, and I tell my grandson I've took him to Tanadice a few times, and I show him the statue, mm-hmm. and he says the crazy man. I say that's the crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> and see, see before see before the second goal, the ball gets played out to me in the left hand side. And you can hear that. You can hear him shouting, mm-hmm. "Don't lose it! Don't fucking lose!" And you're like terrified. And and that's all you could hear was that for about five or ten minutes was his voice coming out the dugout. And uh, little did we know at the time he'd jumped up and smashed his head. At the second goal, he'd, yeah, he'd, he'd burst his head at him. And uh, oh, that was all. The th- that was all the things that. Did he pull you up after the game for that? Because obviously you get the ball and you do hear him shouting. Even on the YouTube clips, you hear Aye. him. I take it like he was na he wasn't pissed off that you didn't play a safe bar back. No, you cut the defence open and no, you just uh, sealed it. You just knew that you had to keep the ball, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you gave it to a teammate, so you done your job. Aye, aye, <laughs> aye. But no, no, you never worried. You never worried about stuff like that. He didn't. He, he wasn't. He, uh, he always wanted you to play a positive pass. He wasn't a negative you know, type manager, he mm-hmm. always wanted you to try and play it forward and stuff like that. But it was just the shouting because like I was trying to say to my wee grandson, like, managers knew you don't, you hardly hear them or, mm-hmm. or whatever. But, but wee Jim, I remember meeting wee Jim one time when, he, when I was manager 
uh, Morton and I met him and he says remember you can influence a game for the side and I know I forgot that because you could and what he meant by that was is that you could actually tell people where to go or get back in or mm. you know play the game for them to a certain extent because some players need that you know what I mean you said that <clears throat> your pre-season went through that quickly and it, it bombed through I'm assuming the three minutes between Clark and Ferguson's goals were a bit of a blur as well because as soon as one hit it seemed like we got the the other as well and that feeling must have been incredible when the ball in it well I think it was enough to be honest that when the equaliser went in it was just mm. the best feeling ever mm-hmm. Clark is still annoyed that that Ferguson scored that <laughs> well. he tell us he's really annoyed about it aye uh, and then you thought you knew that they weren't going to score two, mm-hmm. and uh, you just thought, "Ah, oh, she's magnificent." And then obviously we scored the winner, and then it dawns on you that you've actually beaten them in their own place. And this again, as, as I said, if somebody tells you when you're a wee boy for Castlemore, you're going to be playing the new camp and uh, and winning, and and for a team <laughs> like Dundee United, you know what I mean? That's it's uh, it's even better. Yeah. And the fans were miles away. Aye, aye, I know, I know. <laughs> they made a noise though. Certainly. Aye, I mean, everybody talks about the crowd that night, but I'll tell you what, the atmosphere was still good. Mm-hmm. I think that I think maybe it kick off it was something like forty thousand or something like that. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you, the atmosphere was still good, and uh, come come full time, I mean, there was always a wee kind of a noise around the stadium anyway. But I'm pretty sure the Barcelona fans. You know, gave us a good reception. You know what I mean? They were they were quite humble like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Did you get any feeling like in the first leg when we've won the game that they probably still walked off that pitch confident, thinking, oh, "We'll we'll get it done across there." Because we've heard that before with like the Roma players and mm. stuff of like that in the past. Aye. It was like, "No, we'll get you back there." And then it's a real humbling experience when again a club like United's turned them over Aye. on their own patch. To be fair, what I would say is, is I think. Terry Venables would have had more respect for us mm. than yeah. than that. The semi final for definite. <laughs> yes, Munchen Gladbach definitely thought they'd beat us. Uh, I didn't get that feeling with Barcelona. I didn't think they had that arrogance about them. But that might have came from the fact that Venables was a manager, and uh, there's no doubt that Venables knew that we were a good side, mm. and and I think he total respect for us and. Lenny Kid and Hughes in that, but obviously, yeah, I think Hughes had played for Man United against Dundee yeah, United. Probably, in that and, game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so no, I think I think the respect was there. I don't think it, that that was the same as as the Borussia one because Borussia was definitely there was definitely a feeling of they've done their job. Mm-hmm. Six days after conquering the new camp, we were off to Station Park for a Scottish Cup replay. And my heroes, Alan Main, made his debut for the side and had to face two penalties in as many mm-hmm. minutes. Uh, one of them, thanks to Jim McAnally, making a, a save with both hands and putting the bar in the post, I seem to remember. Uh, and we'd win 2-0 that night. So from the high of the European nights to, like, I don't want to say a run of the mill because it was a Scottish Cup game, but what was what was it like to get uh, yourselves up for this, to go no, back to Station Park? It, it wasn't because it was packed. The place was packed mm-hmm. that night. And it was a brilliant atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I was behind the goal for ah, the, was, that they had the penalties. Nah, there was no problem that night because obviously we had did enough mm-hmm. near near hum- humiliation at Tannadice. Almost the last kick aye, of the match, aye. Penalty, yeah. So, uh, so no, I, I always remember that. Mm-hmm. 
because I got man in the match and I, I didn't get man in the match a lot but I always remember I got man in the match in that game and all because you just remember and I always remember that was the place was jumping that night mm-hmm. I don't know what the crowd was but well the fans would have been on such a high because their teams aye. a week previous just won in the new camp aye. so but no nah, it was it was nah there was, we didn't have a problem like that uh, getting yourself up for games or or whatever, because we knew round the corner there was another game coming, and you had to keep yourself in the team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You touched on the Munchen Gladbach games. First was obviously the the nil nil at Tannadice. You said you thought going over there they were probably confident in their own patch, but we were. Um, it was a hard. It was one of the. I can't mind who said it, but they said it was one of the hardest games to play in because of the German teams were really physical back then and whatever. Ian Ferguson always on the score sheet it seems and then in the last minute Ian Redford just made it made sure right to the death and what was it I think people I think it gets slightly overshadowed because of Barcelona mm-hmm. but this is the semi-final two legs going over there 90 minutes between going mm-hmm. through to the final and whatever but it must have been something else to be part of that again was, but what I would say is see the first game oh. I thought we played really well in the first game and if it wasn't for good goalkeeping and bad refereeing we could have won two or three nothing in that game. Did we, we not score two? And aye, we, we, we really missed a lot of chances. We played really well. The pitch was really heavy, and I think I think that's why we came off thinking, "No, oh, we can still beat you." Because compared to the Barcelona game, we gave München Gladbach a bigger going over than we did Barcelona. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we went there with that belief. But again, the first leg at Tannadice. Uh, Gladbach had, had a terrific German international called Uwe Rahn and he didn't play in the first leg and we fucking hoping he wasn't going to play in the second leg <laughs> but anyway we Jim said to me don't let him out of your sight I don't care if you don't kick the ball make sure he doesn't play and I always remember my dad saying to me when, when we come back he said to me Ian St John gave you a hard time in commentary he says you weren't in the game he said, but he said, uh, I think it was Jock Brown or something. Said, but he's doing a job tonight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that, oh, that's what I always we. That's what I loved about we. Jimmy used to say, I don't care what anybody else thinks. You only worry about what I think. Mm-hmm. So like, I would just go about. I followed him about. I mean, he was about six foot two, six foot three. What a player he was, and it just make sure that I shadowed him all the time and and uh, and and stopped him playing. And and that was my job that night, and I, I and I had no qualms with 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 doing that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then again, when they when the first goal goes in, you know that it takes two to beat you. Mm-hmm. But just to get the goal at the end was just a tin lid on it. It was just just fantastic feeling. Mm-hmm. And I've got the photo of me and Dave Nery that night after the game celebrating is is just I've got that photo in the house. It's just something. I'll keep forever if you know what I mean because uh, to see the emotions of him uh, and just like I always Big Davey's somebody that I just love to death as as a human being and and, uh, just proud that I played with him because he was he was the best Mm -hmm. in my opinion You you mentioned Dave Neri and Dave Bowen tell us in his first game, Bo's first game, I'm not sure if you would have played, let's say with the fitness, and he said that Jim McLean come in 
and went absolutely batshit crazy to them and says to Neri, you'll never play for this club again. <laughs> and Bo was sitting next to him going, I can't believe this is my first game. That's his last game. For <laughs> and then soon realised that happened every week. <laughs> I know, I know. But I, I, and like you say, that, that role you were saying there, were you fairly just to be a pest? Just be the boy's shadow? Don't let him do anything and just, Aye. doesn't matter where he went, you would just follow him around Aye. and that was, everyone else knew their job. I mean, I can't understand why in the modern game that doesn't happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can go to Tannadice, right? See, every time we played Celtic, every time we played Celtic, Jim McLean used to say to me, mate, stay's yours. He's yours. Mm. Right? Whatever he does, if we stop make stay playing, there's every chance we beat Celtic. Mm-hmm. And that's all my job was. And I always, I was quite pally with Paul. And I used to say, when he had to retire early with his ankles, I had to apologise because I always felt as though I must have contributed a good bit to, mm. to his ankles being the way they were because I used to kick lumps at him. Thing is, back in there, and I think Bo said it as well, though, you got away with a bit more. Like, if you were man Martin boy, you could just say, we kick at him, you could, <laughs> like, and just keep me. I know, but I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say I was a dirty player. No. Honestly, the boy we just mentioned, I would say, is a dirty player. Aye. <laughs> Always dirtier than me. But what I mean is, all he did is close his space to all the time and when he got it, I would love to have played modern day football because, see, guys like McStay would take the ball under pressure and you, you had to go and press them. Hmm. But now there's bad players take the ball under pressure and it would have been easier to play against them. But at the time, you had guys like McStay, Jim Bett, Graham Soonis, that all... Oh, but players, we Jim would say, Soonis, he's yours. Mm. Jim Bet, he's yours. McStay, he's yours. And now I go to watch Dundee United and Celtic, and Callum McGregor goes about the park, Strolls doing up. anything he wants, Strolls and nobody up. touches him. Mm-hmm. And I sit there, and although you just think, is there any chance? I it's, just want, I, I mean, again, I just want somebody to come and smash a boy, eh? Put a marker down. You can't you do don't that need, these you, days. No, like, but you don't need to smash him. Tell him you're there. Make sure he kens you're there. Or be in his just, face. Just or... stop him. I mean, I just don't get... That's why, see, like, the game wasn't great on Saturday night, the Champions League final. But Inter Milan were tactically brilliant. Mm. Tactically brilliant. Mm-hmm. But nowadays you don't get... Tact, you know, ta- tactics are... It's, it's almost like, frowned upon. It's like, no, this is how we play. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if Dundee United are going out and playing a 3-5-2 and the opposition have only got one striker... Why have you got three centre-halves? Now, again, that's always something and and even me at Peterhead and, and Morton and East Stirling or whatever, you play the opposition. You kind of just go out and say, this is how we play. Mm-hmm. You need to stop the opposition's good players. Mm-hmm. And and I don't see that in modern-day games. I, 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 you know, I don't see... You know, it's it's like this is what we do. So this is our pattern of play, and this is so United are playing three five two, and you think, well, there's only one striker playing in that team, so why have you got three centre halves? Not on the football, eh? Aye, it's it it just it's something we've moaned about quite a lot, and and everything that goes back, we're just like speaking about the good days. It's better, yeah, exactly. You know that's, that's why you're here tonight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, Obviously, around about the Borussia games, we we pumped Dundee at the Scottish Cup uh, standard, the usual, uh, and then that takes us on to Gothenburg away. How bad was the pitch that night? And do you also remember the late great Billy Thompson squealing like a wee lassie getting his ear stitched to back on? Aye, the pitch wasn't playable. Mm-hmm. That pitch was not fit for a game of professional football. No doubt about it. 
Never mind uh, a cup final, a UEFA cup final. Aye, I mean it was it was disgraceful, mm-hmm. and uh, it just that was the most disappointing thing to turn up to that stadium and see that pitch was so disappointing. Mm. Big, biggest game of your careers, biggest aye, game of your lives. Aye, you're playing and on. That, I think was it Springsteen had been on it the week before or something. Well, like that. well, it wasn't the week before. Do you know when he actually played on that? It was two years before. Oh, was it? But it obviously. It absolutely gubbed the pitch. It was never because that was always what we thought. We spoke to a few people and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, it was the Springsteen gig," uh, and we we done a wee bit of digging, and it was two years before it. Right. But the pitch was a terrible, oh, terrible it was, pitch. It was woeful, and it wasn't. It definitely wasn't fit, fit for for a, a game of certainly that magnitude anyway. And it was the biggest disappointment to to turn up. You know, you've been to the new camp, you've been to Germany, you beat Borussia, and then. Don't get me wrong, me and Gothenburg were a big team, mm-hmm. but to turn up at that stadium and see that pitch, that was really, really uh, a downer. That was a big downer. Mm-hmm. Speaking of downers, <laughs> St Mern in the Scottish Cup final, a game where we were favourites and the offside rule would kill us. We lost an extra time. How much of a blow was that at the time? And was that partly the reason for what then happened? three or four days later uh, in my opinion if we won one we were winning both yeah. them right yeah. but we still deserve to win on the Saturday because that goal should have stood yeah and to this day that's one of the worst decisions I've ever seen mm-hmm. in, a, in a game of football and I always said that day right we needed a break because I was okay but some of the guys were out on their feet. Mm-hmm. And I now forget, Eamon Bannon was one of the fittest players on our team. And I always remember him lying down the second half, riddled, riddled with cramp, because it just caught up in them. And it was one of the days where he thought, right, we just need, we need a break. We just need to win this game without playing well. Or, you know, and we got the goal and that goal should have stood. 100%. And yep. That's the difference. And even Guardiola was talking like that on Saturday after the game. If that ball is in with Lukaku, then you're not a hero anymore. You, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was a fine margin. And that was a really, really poor decision. And actually, again, a guy I was talking to recently was talking about the offside rule and his father was telling him about how the offside rule used to be. And I showed him the goal. Was it, who was it scored the volley? Was it Luggy? against Rangers at Hamden and Holt he was on the right wing offside yeah, yeah. again we didn't and, get it and he didn't this guy didn't believe that this happened yeah. and I says well I'll show you a better one go to that cup final mm-hmm. St Mirren and you tell me Gallagher lying in the net and he couldn't believe it he yeah. says well so what was it disallowed for I said offside <laughs> I know yeah it's, uh, even even today like, I could watch it and it still pisses me off like, I was I was at that cup final I would only been 10 years old or something uh, but yeah like I can remember celebrating like an absolute idiot and these days you could watch everything on your phone but a minute after it's happened but obviously you watch it later that night and I can still th- still remember thinking that's that should never have been chopped Aye. off like there's n- no way he's infringing with anything there Aye, I know. in fact I think he's lying in a heap because you know the St Murn players have shoved him I'm Aye. sure Aye. No, it was it was, it was and we serine. needed we needed to I don't think we needed but I think if we won one, we were we were winning both, mm. uh, and that's 
you know, that's that's the way it kind of a panned out. But uh I think in between in between times on the Monday we Jim had an argument with Heggy and stuff like that in front of the in the front of the team and oh, I just thought we don't need this mm-hmm. a big game coming up, you know what I mean? And uh I kind of assigned a new contract that that week. Uh to, ex- to extend my time, I know. But I still didn't need to take away for the fact that, you know, on the night against Gothenburg we still were well will they he maybe winning with two goals, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, I just think it would have took, you know, we would have been winners and we would have went in that game yeah. with a wee bit of pressure off. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Especially they score 22 minutes. Clark, he gives a, a thing with half an hour to go. But like you say, I think, again, was it a case of just catching up on the players because it had been such you know, a long season? Aye, but you know something? I didn't feel in that game, I never felt tired. <laughs> Never felt tired. I don't know about the other guys. We didn't play like a tired team that night. To be honest, we didn't. Because we had to chase the game and we chased it quite well against a really good team. And, uh, you know, if we'd have got another goal, if we'd we'd have took the lead, I think we'd have won it. And we could have took the lead, obviously, early doors uh, in the game. But it was just the way it was. It was just... uh, it was just a remarkable night, really. It was, in many ways, my biggest regret is never touching that cup. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest regret. Well, I can see how you weren't tired because you only played 51 times that season. <laughs> <laughs> so, But you played in some incredibly big games. You got capped by your country as well, uh, I think. Uh, and But aside from the disappointment, you must have been fairly happy with your decision to move back up the road. Oh, it was the best decision ever. But by the same token, I remember... I had to go away with Scotland that week. Uh, me and some, me and uh, the other boys like Luggy and Eggy and that. I remember thinking, it's all doing healthy here. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I mean that like in the in the best the best way ever. I thought, how can I? How can you beat this? Mm-hmm. Well, you win know? it, I suppose. But like the chances of Dundee United doing aye, what they had done aye. that season again I'm just talking about if you're a person that's mm-hmm. a realist and and you know I never say it you wouldn't say it out loud I can say it now or whatever you used to think you know it's just been unbelievable mm-hmm. and uh, but no no it didn't it, it just totally justified my decision to to take £210 a week wages and playing a final with £210 and, and it's just it's something that just makes you so proud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would your expectations be like after those highs going into the next season? No, you listen, you still thought you could win the league. You still thought you could win the Cups. Mm. So, you know, you just got on with it. It was, you knew when you played for Dundee United then that you had a chance of winning. And to win something was all really I was in the game for was was to try and win something. So you knew you were always knocking at the door when you played for the United. But the big thing that you had at United was you had to keep your standards up. Mm-hmm. Because after that season, I always remember Bannon saying to me, you'll want goals after you next year. I don't know, 
that's not good enough now. Mm. You want goals after Yeah, you. just a constant improvement. Aye. Yeah. And uh, and you always you always had to, to be at it and you always had to keep yourself on top of your game. And in the meantime, there was obviously changes going on, you know, one or two guys moved on and I always think we moved guys on to it a wee bit too early. Mm. Uh, but obviously we, we weren't well paid and for some guys maybe getting to near at the end of their career they were getting better deals somewhere else or whatever you know so so they went and obviously the club were shrewd and they, they cashed in uh, somebody really went about every year mm. somebody, somebody would usually go so uh, but no you, no you always felt you were still going to be be about it and, and then obviously there was an obsession with the Scottish Cup yeah, yeah. Well, the eighty-seven, eighty-eight season, like league-wise, I guess I would, I would snap your hand off for it these days. But I guess it was a relatively disappointing season, given it would finish fifth and would also exit Europe in the second round. But the Scottish Cup, as you've said, was a different matter. Uh, we actually played nine games in the tournament that season, on the way to the final against Celtic. Uh, what do you remember about the cup run that season? We played Arbroath, Airdrie, Dundee three times, Aberdeen three times, and and then obviously Celtic in the final. Well. Again, we we uh, Abroth, we we played really well at Abroth that day. The place was packed again. These used mm-hmm. to be great, going to mm-hmm. these places when it when it was packed out and that. Uh Airdrie was a horrible game, but we the horrible team to play against, but we got through there. And then the Dundee games were, were uh, the Dundee games that was unusual for us not to actually beat them. Uh without having mm-hmm. two draws having, and then, aye, then we aye, got them at the third attempt aye, that was unusual for us because especially at uh, at Dens but uh, anyway we got there and then the Aberdeen games oh they were so tough mm-hmm. the Aberdeen games I mean there was nothing between the sides back then though no, really wasn't there no and we went down to 10 men mm-hmm. uh, and again I always remember that was one of our best performances that season was, was that 10 men because were we you clicking on this is this Hegarty and Willie Miller aye I aye. thought it was <laughs> honestly Stuart Stuart McKimmy cleaned me out in a tackle in the second half that was 10 times worse than that mm-hmm. and he got a yellow card and uh, we Jim got onto me for getting up too quick and uh, but always, I thought we, I thought we were absolutely, absolutely brilliant that night to get the draw. Mm-hmm. Thought we, I thought we were brilliant because the claim was going mental there. Eh? Was that that when you? Ah, went? you got a big ban after that. That was, I think it was Heggy got sent off ah, for a yeah. challenge on Charlie was there Nicholas. The flag at, yep. the, at the dairy, and the Willie Miller was Willie Miller. He was right over at the ref trying oh, to referee the game, and we Jim at half. It was, I think <laughs> it was half time. He come down and uh, uh, there was almost a. Aye, we Jim got a big ban. I'm pretty sure he yes. got a big, a big uh, ban after that. He did, but uh, Willie Miller still. No, they were PTSD. they. They were they. They games at Dens against Aberdeen were always brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I atmosphere. The atmosphere was fantastic, and uh, there was never much in it. Mm-hmm. Never much in it. But to get to that final again was was absolutely brilliant. And then the devastation that was probably the hardest final to lose. Was it not the last minute? Eamon missed an absolute sitter with a header. Oh my god! Yeah. And well, if you he, want, he headed it down, didn't he? And aye. If you wanted anybody on the end of a header, it was Eamon. Yeah. And uh, Celtic just 
seem to get a lift out of that. It was their centenary year. It was. I know, oh, but I know, I know, but <laughs> it was a sickener. I always remember coming out Hamden after the game, and I was nigging. I was nigging back up the road because obviously we didn't win, and I was going to my mum's. And she was waiting outside on me. She's got a United scarf and and uh, she said, Never mind, son, I've got you Billy Conley's autograph. <laughs> 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 and then when I was working with Celtic when Martin O'Neill was there, I went into the car park one day and uh, I was pretty sure it was a Rangers game and I parked in and Ed Billy Conley came with his driver and parked in and my wife's shouting, Oh, and he's waving at her and all the rest of it. Anyway, he comes out of the car and he says, How are you? And I says, I'm fine, thanks. I says, you know something, I got your autograph in 1988. He said, I tell him the story. He says, what did you do, fucking burn it? <laughs> <laughs> I says, well, as you can imagine, it wasn't the thing I was looking for at the end of that game. <laughs> and I always remember coming out, when I was walking out of Hamden that night, Alex Ferguson stopped in his, uh, his Mercedes, because I think he was doing the commentary that day, Fergie. And he came out to speak to me. And, and I always... I always liked Alex Ferguson, but I just thought you just keep at it, son. You'll get there, you know. You'll get it. Mm-hmm. And I always, always liked Fergie, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so that was my memories. That it was devastating, devastating. Yeah, you mentioned that obviously, like players came and went, kind of most summers. I mean, that summer Ian Ferguson left, mm-hmm. and that one we brought in players. Uh, Mio Drag Kavokapitch come in. Um, Billy McKinley was starting to break through as well. I'm assuming you probably didn't know much about me or drag, but did you soon realise he was a bit of a class act? Aye. Uh, well, obviously, no, we didn't know a lot about him, but can, can I just say something about a lot of the guys at the time? If you're looking for present day, they're good players, but see for what we had, they weren't an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Fair. And that's in the nicest possible way. Uh Mick Sue part of lining wasn't he an upgrade mm-hmm. had it ended up with a brilliant career but you know like say my father would come to all the United games and when these guys started to come in Michael O'Neill and Darren Jackson and and he my dad was always he was always good and honest and you know I know I played a good game but he used to always say they're not good enough mm-hmm. but he was comparing them to what we had yeah and that's Sturrock, your Millen, aye, Dodes, aye, aye, and Bannon, and mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. And at the back, you'd Hegarty and Eri, and then you like you'd Kravokovic, Vanderhorn mm-hmm. coming in, and they weren't they as good, mm-hmm. but they were good if you'd. The, no, but you're talking about club legends there. Aye, but I'm talking mean? about so, standards, if you know yeah, what I mean. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about standards and all. Mm-hmm. So that's why you start declining a wee bit. Because they're not as good mm-hmm. as the guys that they're replaced. You know what I mean? To a certain extent, don't get me wrong. They got in there and that still stayed there and played away. You're telling but, me Raphael Mead was no an upgrade on Ian Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> Raphael Mead actually was a very good player. Mm-hmm. He was scored he on was his a, debut. Ah, he was a very good player. Yeah. But he just, I mean, you don't come for Arsenal to Dundee United, do you? So it was all, it was all about attitude with him mm-hmm. and. Uh, Best ever was a pre-season game and we Jim said to him uh, <laughs> it was kind of mind who we were playing it was Stirling Uni we always seem to play at Stirling Uni and uh, we Jim said to him half time you alright he's like I'll give it five ten minutes Jim <laughs> <Just like that. laughs> 
can't believe he just said that. He jams like fucking ten minutes. I'll fucking ten minutes. And this was him in trial. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, no, he, Raphael Mead could play. That was mm. the, that was the problem. Is like, you know, big Alan Irvine had come in, big money for Liverpool, mm. and uh, so you, you try to blend all these players in, but they were replacing we top had, players. We had two Alan Irvins. Aye. Didn't we? We had a we winger. Did, we did we winger, Alan Irvin. Aye. Was he uh, not the better of the two? Different players. One was yeah. a striker. Yeah. Big Alan Irvin. Nah, he was he never really the big striker guy. This. No, no. But uh, it was, you know, it was just a, a sign that the, the team that I came into was, was really good. But the team before that was excellent. You mm. know what I mean? So there was a, a kind of a wee decline all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's you know that's what happens. Uh, we, we finished fourth that season. You'd play forty games, a mainstay pretty much in the team. In the cups, would lose out to Aberdeen and Davy Dodds uh, in the League Cup semi at Dens. Rangers would knock us out the Scottish Cup at the quarters. Uh, so two questions for that season: How much did you enjoy the games against Aberdeen in these days? Although you've kind of answered that, and uh, was that also the time that Rangers were starting to spend a bit of money, and you could could you feel that they were starting to pull away for the rest? Rangers, uh, you always felt as though you were in contention with Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. The, there was nothing in the games. Uh, I think, you know, you Dodds and Nicholas up front for Aberdeen and in the middle of the park. You'd, you always had Stoll, Simi and, and boys like that in there. So there was, n- there was never much in it. Rangers were always getting stronger, but we always felt we could beat Celtic and Rangers. Mm-hmm. Even in the days, we, we always felt we could beat Celtic and Rangers at Tannadice so or Parky the Rybrooks. And, uh, you know, there's no doubt Rangers were, were getting stronger, but nah, you never you never felt as though... Didn't phase you, though. Nah. Mm. It's not like now. I mean, I find it I find it pathetic watching teams playing Celtic and Rangers now. The white flag's up before the kick-off half the well, time. Well, my wife can sit and say to me, Celtic's winning 3 nothing. Why is that team time-wasting? Mm. They're time wasting to try and not lose any mail and two or three nothing and that. You just think, and again, I hate to keep saying it all the time. We always thought we could beat them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? It doesn't feel that way these days. It hasn't felt that way for a long time, especially, well, as a, a Faye United fan point of view, especially Celtic. It almost, there is an acceptance, right? Let's just try and keep the score down on a lot of these occasions. Uh, which would have been a good idea last August uh, <laughs> when they racked mm. up a fair amount. Aye, I know, but I just feel as though uh, the gap shouldn't be as big. Mm. Especially when you know what clubs are spending yeah, and what some of these guys at Tannadice are earning. Mm-hmm. The gaps no, shouldn't be that big, but it is for yeah. some reason. So it's it's different. I mean, even then, if you want to compare what we would, that Rangers team with Sunnis and Butcher and Roberts and Stevens and Trevor Steven and all these guys, they were all England internationals. Well, were you enjoying, obviously they're, they're getting better, they're getting stronger. Uh, were you enjoying seeing them bringing in these, these aye, star names aye. so that you could test yourself aye. against them? Yeah. Oh, you loved it. Mm-hmm. You loved aye. it. I mean, that was, uh, that was, that was what it was all about. Mm-hmm. You know, you just felt as though you could go there and you could frustrate them. But I mean, tactically, we had the best manager. Tactically, we had the best manager. Mm-hmm. So, we always had a chance. We never went into any game 
I always remember we Jim made a big mistake one time when we Celtic won won this a good. I can't remember what year it was. Celtic won this a good, and we'd beat them at Tannadice. No comfortable, but we beat them well. And then we were got to Celtic Park. And we always went to Celtic Park and played the same way of counter-attacking. And we just went, no, we're going to go for it today. The Celtic beat us 3 nothing. And he said after the game, that'll never fucking happen again. Mm. You know what I mean? And that was him getting ahead of himself a wee bit and getting away from what he was good at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because we were all about, no, you stop him, you stop him, you stop him. And we've got match winners in the team. Yeah. You know? And... Uh, and that's that's to me where football, you know, present day, uh, the gap's too big, and it shouldn't be. No, uh, it does feel massive at times. Ah, hundred percent, it really does. Um, we're on about players coming and going there. Do you remember what it was like when somebody like Paul Hegarty left, sort of in ninety eighty nine ninety, for a man that had been there and done it and was declared it wasn't a plane as much as well but somebody like that leaves the dressing room as such okay uh, that that was a problem be if you're a realist and you see these guys going out the dressing room and as I've said to you already be no being disrespectful to anybody else you know that these guys are hopefully going to be good players but mm-hmm. they're not as good as what's there and and Heggy wasn't just a good player, but he's just a brilliant guy and mm-hmm. and a friend. And 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 see the thing we was, I've already touched on it because we all stayed in Dundee. We were friends. Mm. Our families were friends. Our wives were friends. You know what I mean? And so it was, it was always a burden. And and Heggy had a wee bit a tough time after we Jim, right? But what we used to do in that dressing room was we used to rally around each other. And I think he knew that we'd done that. And so it made us stronger. You know what I mean? It made us it made us stronger and and uh, so I think Hege he was doing a bit of coaching for a wee bit and you always hoped that that would be mm. you know, that they would they would come it was the same with Luggy when Luggy I mean Luggy just retired for no reason. I was just a slaughter lucky, right? Lucky, we played Hamilton Aki's the last day of the season at Tannadice. I think we get beat. You know, there was no grass in the pitch. I think a new stand was getting built or something and mm-hmm. we Jim slaughtered them. And Lucky just retired. And I was like, Lucky, you're about 33 or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, I just felt they all kind of, I just, I don't know, they should have kept playing a wee bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think Loggy took part in a training session. He used to take training and he had his, had his training shoes on. We couldn't even get him into a wee game or that, you know what I mean? He just went and that was him. Aye. So, all the guys, you never wanted them to beat to no be about, if you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 Born leaders, especially Heggy, like the, he just Aye. commands respect when he comes in a room. Yeah, he's a great, he's just a brilliant guy. And like I said, for, the, for these type of guys, there was our own young players were starting to come through. You know, like Alan Preston's, John O'Neill's, Brian Welsh, Alec Cleland, Andy McLaren, and some boy called Duncan Ferguson appeared. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Nah, he was a he, he was a great boy for me, Big Fergie. I had a lot of time for him. Uh, he had a heart of gold and he he was some player mm-hmm. he he was some player 
And uh, he was a guy that beat Wee Jim, in my opinion. He was a guy that, that and Wee Jim tried hard for him. Mm. Wee Jim tried hard to, to, to kind of a, bring him into line or whatever you want to say. But, and, and what I think should have happened is Wee Jim should have mellowed. Mm. But he wasn't, he wasn't prepared to. And there was a couple of times at training sessions where we would be playing a practice match or something and Fergie would do something and Wee Jim would say, right, get off and lap the pitch. And Fergie would walk around. <laughs> Whereas if, if it was any of us, we would run around the pitch. Yeah. And then Wee Jim would just say, that's you, fucking dropped. And then he would have him painting the the mm. gym. Mm-hmm. Or, Heard can, that story. You know, uh-huh. Doing all these things, and uh, but my my thing with Wee Jim was is he needed to change because these boys weren't going to change. Mm-hmm. I yeah. always remember McKinnon McKinnon calling him the new breed. We're yeah. the new breed. That's that. That's exactly what I was going to mention. Andy McLaren said that to us. Right, McKinnon said it once. I always remember it was a yeah. we had a bit of hassle in a preseason trip in Holland. And uh, McKinnon, oh, we are the new breed. And I thought, right, here we go. But anyway, that was not our problem. That was Wee Jim's problem. Mm-hmm. And I always think the difference between him and Fergie was is that Fergie had to change his manager, you know, his management style. Mm-hmm. And he was prepared to soften himself a wee bit. And Wee Jim wasn't he? It'd be interesting to see if he'd done that, what could have really become of these young boys coming I know a lot of them went on and had great careers but you could just imagine what their careers could have been like at United for longer or whatever else if they stuck around and, and whatever um, and then they say you look at a couple of years later they get four million quid for Danny Ferguson this is not a man that played hundreds and hundreds of games but that was ridiculous money at the time aye, huge huge money yeah. you know it was a British transfer record yeah, I think it was I see I always, I always remember this and God we we Jim when I used to meet we Jim in the ferry right when he was starting to he was, his illness was kicking in mm. and uh, my dad had a my dad thought the sunshine out of we Jim's backside right and no matter what we Jim done to me left me without wages my dad still thought the sun shone out of his backside <laughs> and that was because my dad would talk to him and my dad could talk to him about games that he played in when he was mm-hmm stuff like that so we Jim loved all that and uh, so after a game one night and it was when the speculation was all starting about Fergie going to Rangers and four million quid and all the rest of it so my wife had came to pick me up at Tannadice when the team bus got back so my wife and my dad they just came for the game wherever we were playing and they were waiting at the bottom of the stairs of the bus and my dad's having a fag and we Jim comes off the bus alright Mr McAnally Aye, Jim, how are you? Aye, fucking rubbish, you know, the rest of it, you know, talk about the game and all that. And uh, my dad says, Rangers going to give you four million quid for him? And he went, aye. My dad says, well, fucking take it. <laughs> he says, because he'll know last in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what my dad said to him. So see, every time I met wee Jim, and my dad had died by this time, and Doris used to get embarrassed because he used to say, how's your dad? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. Listen, I was fine because 
do you know, and that was, your dad was right. Your dad was right. They used to always say that, your dad was right. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but Big Fergie was some player. He was. What I was mean, he like to play against the trainer? He, he was just good at everything. Mm-hmm. We, we, he fell out with we gym one week, right? I always remember this. We were playing Aberdeen on a Saturday. And uh, this was maybe the Thursday we gym sent him off the pitch. And then he ran him round the track and after then, he says, Stubby, run him round the track. Friday we were in doing a wee bit of sharp stuff before the game on the Saturday. Get him in the after then, run him round the track. Big fair game, run round the track. Friday night, wee Jim sitting in the house, obviously. We need him in the team. So he phones Big Fergie up at the digs. You're playing tomorrow. Big Fergie comes in. I swear to God, he absolutely murdered Aberdeen single-handedly. I think we beat him four or something like that right? <laughs> big Alex McLeese always tell me the story he says you know what he says to me this cheeky big <laughs> he says I've been getting pumped all week big man he says and I'm fucking raping you <laughs> <laughs> what the guy and that was that's some big fair girl, you know what I mean <laughs> and uh, when we went away with Scotland I had to room with him because I was meant to be I was meant to be the guy that was to keep him uh, keep I'm them calm now. how did that go oh the problem was it was 92 we were getting ready for the Euros so we went to Canada and America and uh, McCoyst and Goff were terrible with them they used to wind them up like get them today stuff give a 100 press ups big man will give you a tenner <laughs> the big man we could do end for a tenner on that right and uh, but also remember one, one night I woke up terrified. He stuck the heat. He got him stuck the heat in the light, <laughs> and uh, I was like, "My God, he must have some, do you know what I mean? Some demons in in that heat he has there." And and even then, so we were going for Canada. We go to the hotel. We went to the hotel and and uh, to get to the airport. And uh, big man's no back in the room. <laughs> so I says to Craig Brown I says Craig Big Man's not appeared <laughs> and uh, he says right let's get his stuff so we gathered his stuff up and put it in the bag and, and uh, I think he was with McCoy's to be fair mm-hmm. McCoy's and Goff but he's the difference is he's only 18 ah, they're experienced <laughs> aye and uh, so we're all doing in the bus and you've got Jim Farry and that all the top Ernie Walker mm-hmm. and all the top guys sitting in front of the bus and he walks on an hour late <laughs> for, you know and you just think what chance have you got you know what I mean <laughs> no care uh, in the world no no but you know what see to this day what the SFA done to him was nothing short of disgraceful mm. when he went to jail that and I was disappointed to read Fergie saying somewhere recently that he regrets no playing for Scotland. Mm-hmm. I don't think he should have had any regrets because what they done to him, how could you contemplate anybody day and time in Berlin yeah. as a Rangers player? Uh, I think it was the worst thing. Was it not, like just for people that listen, um, was it no like he obviously had to, he went to jail for a number of weeks and then when he came out the SFA then wanted him to serve a band, aye, is it? Aye. That's what it was. I'm yeah, pretty sure it was six months or something. But yeah. I don't think it was just a amount of weeks. Yeah, I mean it was it was horrifying. Yeah, you see what happens in football pitches. 
and what he went to jail for. Mm-hmm. For me, I mean, I, 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 I remember doing this in Five Live one night. It was Friday night at four. Big Fergie played it. I thought, maybe Liverpool Everton Cup final, FA Cup final. Done it with Pat and Evan. And I, it was disgusting. Disgusting because he never deserved that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the big impact on him. Yeah, it's, it's some. I mean, some of the stories we've had about him just because he's either been a big daft boy or whatever. Like Paddy Conley tell us about him. They two of them running away with the Hilton Huns. No, <laughs> like I mean, as soon as he said that, we're thinking, it can't, this can't happen. And then both saying, Ken, like you said about that, so I'll give you a tenner if you put your head in that ice bucket for a minute. And he come up and he's blue, and he thought he'd killed him. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on and then he, he was meant to wash Mc, Jim McLean's car but he drove it to the car wash didn't even have a driving licence nah. <laughs> like, nah. and it just every time I hear it the mayor I go I'd love to speak to him eh? <laughs> oh, <laughs> but it just and again you look at that and you look at the big moves he had and, and whatever and I just think everyone I, I just like you said there if Jim McLean had just gave him a wee bit more just give him a little bit and just see what could happen but again I look back and think Four million pound for him. No, four million pound then for our club was. What's it now? Well, it built the stand. Aye, it built, aye. It built the the East Stand. The aye. Stand. Aye. It's nuts. Um, that season he was coming through as well. That was the season of the the family final mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety one. Uh, it was of it was a tough build up to that as well, wasn't it? Because Jim and Tommy's dad had passed away as well. Obviously, it'd be tougher for them mm. uh, as far as you know the family connection and whatever but you know for us as, as footballers we just got on with it and, and uh, there was honestly I played in four Scottish Cup finals and they were the best see the build up to Scottish Cup finals and, and it was the best ever feeling hmm. and when you go there and you knew it was you, this big game was coming and uh, it's just it was just brilliant, you know, to to be there and and you know I know that I know that the the McLeans had their their own worries and whatever, but I'm pretty sure they would have been the same. They were all just worried about who was going to win the game or whatever. Mm. You know what I mean? But uh, that again goes down as one of the lowest points. Losing that game, uh, that was probably a fifty fifty game to be honest. But again, there was one or two refereeing decisions in that game. I'm glad you brought up. I think <laughs> no, the referee was my pet hate in life, Davy Syme. Mm. Right? I had a pub in Glasgow. And uh, at the time I had a pub. He was banned. And he no, he drank in the pub next door. Okay. And it was a big Rangers pub. And I think it was about two weeks before the final. I did a couple of run-ins with him anyway. But in this pub, there was a big 40 him up on the wall uh, when he was sending Morris Johnson off for, for Celtic. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, he knew that I knew what he was like in that. And uh, so we played Rangers at Ibrox maybe two weeks before and I think Rangers were, had just won the league. And... Uh, Ian Ferguson scored the Rangers Ian Ferguson scored with a kind of a, a flying header and uh, I think he got his head kicked anyway he was doing he was getting treatment and 
Rangers fans started singing the Valley Boys or whatever and that's mm-hmm. what's up big man you know singing tonight <laughs> <laughs> and he says to me not a word out of you you're yellow carded and you're missing the cup final he knew yeah. that I was one booting away for missing the cup final mm-hmm. and I never forgot the fact that he how did he know that right and uh, well he must have went looking so anyway, he was he was the referee in the cup final, and I think Luke Nyho committed twelve fouls. Bef- yeah, that's Pers- I think he, he himself committed twelve fouls. I think when because the BBC showed that game, I think during COVID, it was on on a Friday night. They showed it because it was such a great a great game uh-huh. for the neutral for a neutral. Uh, and I've that still was, never watched it. I've seen uh, the goals. Well, that was the one thing that stood out to me because obviously you could you could watch football for back then and now and you're like, oof, how is he getting away with that tackle? But Luke Nyholt, how he got away with some of the tackles, and as you say, he committed loads, Aye. loads before he saw Yella, and uh, and then obviously it came for me at full time. I just said I had enough of him, and uh, I I just lost the plot, and I told him what I thought of him when I was walking off the pitch. And uh, little did I know my teammates were doing the same thing. So, <laughs> yeah. so I always remember getting into the dressing room and uh, B Jim was bear in mind. I think we were on something like eight thousand pound win bonus, right? Mm-hmm. Something oh. like that, right? Which was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't in your head. Honestly, it wasn't in your head. And he's coming in shouting and bawling at you. And uh, and then the next minute there's a chap at the door and it's same. With Mr. McAnally, Mr. Van der Hoorn, Mr. Clark, and Mr. Jackson come through to <laughs> And we Jim starts, you, you wee bastard. If you've opened your mouth to him, it'll fucking cost you. And I say, cost me? I've just lost £8,000. You think I'm bothered? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, through we go, right, to, and he's shouting, don't open your fucking mouth. Any, I'm telling you, don't open your fucking mouth and you get through there. And this was this wee tiny ref room, right? And we're all standing. And uh, same goes like that. I just wanted to say your behaviours was an absolute disgrace. And it was like the partner of ways, we Jim just pushed us all out of the road and he went, No, you're a fucking disgrace. <laughs> 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 he pushed us all out of ways, No, you're a fucking disgrace. And he started on him. And uh, you know, but that was <laughs> that was that was that game. I ended up I got a four game ban or something like that after that but I was I was just like I can't take any more of this you know what I mean like mm. these cup finals it was it was just becoming a total obsession and uh, you used to think getting the, the double decker bus into Dundee and mm. honestly all these things I used to just yeah. you used to dream about it and then it was gone again you know what I mean and you're like and uh, so we we spoke we spoke about that game. Let's say with, with a lot of your ex teammates and until Dave Bowman was here, we were like, "How did you no manage to get sent off there?" Because <laughs> if boys are getting sent off, Dave Bowman's name's going to be on it. He went, oh, "I was getting my man of the match award," and then f- followed up by going, "How stupid is that man of the match on the losing team?" And I thought that's the only thing he's thought of because I think if he's not getting that. He's probably getting a red card as it went. A um, couple of things happened during the game. Ali Maxwell's injury. Mm-hmm. How serious do you think it was? God knows. He probably have some saves. I mean, the save, uh, him, after, the, after the, save the save for Malpass yeah. is just un- unbelievable. 
Yeah. Fancy about Clarky coming into you like a steam train. Oh, trailer. no, no, no. <laughs> and Alan no. Main clearly fouled. For me, aye. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we get a goal chucked off. It was a bit iffy. I think I played a ball through to Hamish French. Early doors. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, they give offside. It was given as offside. Yeah. I, I would I would dispute that. But he, in general, he's, his performance that day was really poor, the referee. Yeah. Uh, but again, that was, it was obviously some game for people to watch or whatever. But by that time, we were past being part of good finals, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just want to win it. Just aye. Want to win it. Aye. Yeah, it was, it was one of them. It just, uh, you kind of think you'll, you'll, you'll get there. We nearly will. Um, because we're getting to the good bit nearly. Um, sign-ins, the following summer, or that summer. Walter Rojas and Victor Ferreira. <laughs> well, to be fair, Victor could play. Mm-hmm. He's a good player. Victor could play. Mm. Madman. I, I seem to recall him Aye. blessing himself at Ibrox and spitting on Jim Duffy. <laughs> but he was a good player. Uh, he was a good player, I Walter Rojas. <laughs> to this day... He came and we had played on a Saturday and Monday was his first training session. And me and Big Dave and Eddie must have had knocks or something. And when you had knocks, you'd physio would say, got him, just jog around the pitch or whatever and just get yourself moving again and stretching. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and Big Dave, oh, I'll never forget this. We were jogging around the pitch and that. And then Gordon Wallace was setting up a, a shooting drill. And we stood in a wee stretch. <laughs> and Walter, honest to God, the first time we seen him kicking the ball, Big Davy went like that to me. He's fucking murder. <laughs> 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 and uh, so it was like, you're, so you're, you're blaming a bit of the language thing. So it was like, the ball played up for him to lay it off for somebody to shoot. But he couldn't lay it off, so he used to catch it. <laughs> and uh, and then he was put in the wing he cross it and he couldn't cross it and he couldn't cross it <laughs> and before you knew it he had a thigh strain uh. and I swear to God the physio used to mark the, where the pain was where I, where I, I, I felt that pain and it used, used to move <laughs> it used to move God knows what that was about mistaken identity I think I think we Jim was duped and I, I remember he made he was playing his first reserve game at Tannadice one Saturday afternoon it might have been an international weekend and Tannadice had about 4,000 for a reserve game it was against Aberdeen aye I was there right and he didn't even know where he's stoning. No. I remember watching him coming on the pitch and thinking, he doesn't even know where he's stoning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, he was, he was, ter- he got took off. Like, he only played about oh. half that game or something. So that, that would have been about your sixth year at Tanadice. Were you ever linked with any moves away? Nah. Nah. I was. Billy McNeil had said to me one time when he'd come back to Celtic, uh, I'm going to try and get you back down. But see, by that time, I just I, I love staying up here, mm-hmm. and I hadn't, you know, no inkling to, to leave or move away or anything like that. I was, I was really happy here. I did by that time. I'd had my bus stops, with wee gym, for different things, 
uh, when he was a manager. Uh, well, I just felt as always sticking up for myself. Do you know what I mean? But well, I was going to say, but you know, at that point, that if he's going to hear go, you're going to be the first in to get it because he kens you could take it before. Because that's the for a lot of the older players seem to they would come in and he'd hit Negri and Harry and Neri first, batter them, move on to somebody else, and they two would be like Bannon, Bannon, got Bannon. Well. Right. I, I, I always felt it was always quite lucky, right? But it was one day we beat Rangers at Ibrox, and. Uh, he said to me after the game, he used to groan everybody, and he says, Jimmy, absolutely magnificent, magnificent, outstanding. And uh, we used to get about £800 for winning the games, that was our win bonus. Our wages were low, but we were in big bonuses, mm-hmm. right? So I always remember getting in the Tuesday, I got my wage slip and I had no bonus. And this was before training, before I'd got stripped. So... I went up to his office and I says, where's my, where's my bonus? How have I not got a bonus? He went, because you get booked, you wee bastard. <laughs> I says, what, I get booked? Aye, you get booked. We can't afford you sitting in the stand. And I went, oh, you can stick your team up with us. I went down. By this time I had my training gear on, I went down, took my training gear off, put my clothes on, went away home. Oh, he's like, oh, what you did? I says, oh, I'm no, I'm no having that. I'm not having him telling me I'm outstanding and then, Take my bonus away from me. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a lot of money. Of course. It is. So I think we were playing Dundee on the Saturday. But anyway, I thought, that's me. I'm not going back. And uh, he slaughtered me in the papers on the Tuesday. And uh, they were off. It was was house phones at the time, and I was getting loads of calls for the press and that. And I wouldn't speak to anybody. And then Loggy came to say to me he doesn't know what to do because you've not said anything he slaughtered me but you've not said that mm-hmm. and I says well Loggy I'm not coming back anyway I said I'm, I'm not putting up with that mm. so to be fair he phoned me on the Friday morning and he says I think I was out of order and uh, he says will you come in so I went in it was about lunchtime and I went out in the track myself and done some training and then I played on the Saturday so I don't know if he respected me for that for standing up for myself I didn't have too many heart problems with him especially as a manager after that but uh, there was only one other time where we'd get beat with Antwerp in Belgium for 4-0 or something like that and uh, he he said to me after the game Pass marks for you, you're the only one. And so anyway, we get back to Tannadice the next day, and we're, he he actually took the wee session in the during the track, and we were stretching, and he says, "Get your head up, you, you wee this." So I'm looking around behind me, he says, "Who's he talking to here?" And he went, "I'm talking to you. I'm fucking talking to you." And I'm like, "Talking to me? You talking to me for?" <laughs> I'm fucking talking to you. Get your head up. You get ready for Saturday. I said, I'm ready for Saturday. Don't talk back to me. You're there and train with the reserves. So Gordon Wallace has got the reserves. They were always like diagonally away from us. They're at one corner, we're at the other corner. Mm-hmm. And he says, and you're playing the reserves tonight. So this is, I played on the Thursday in Belgium. And then this was when it was a Thursday and a Saturday. And uh, and you'll play the night in the reserves against Motherwell. So I went, ah, that's fine. So I go there. I can see him at lunchtime. My wife's like, What is it now? I says, Oh, 
So I wrote a transfer request. I goes in to play the reserve game, hands it up. And uh, I swear to God, I don't know where this 45 minutes came from, right? I had the best 45 minutes I think I've ever played. <laughs> right? <laughs> Substituted at half time. And then he's called a wee board meeting. So I gets up there and I'm sitting with the other directors. And he does that and rips my letter up in front of me and puts it in the bin. He says, and you'll be in the team bus tomorrow, 12 o'clock. And I went, no, I won't. Aye, you will. I says, no, I won't. Aye, you will. I says, no, I played on Thursday night. You've played me in the night. And he says, aye, if we lose, it'll not be because of me, it'll be, it'll be because of you. And I says, no. I says, I'll tell you right now, don't don't have that bus waiting on me because I'm not coming. Mm-hmm. And I never, I never went. I was away about another week then. So I just, I just got to the stage where I thought, no, I'm, I'm not letting them... I'm not letting them do that, you know, mm. because I'd seen how the other guys were to a certain extent, you know what I mean? Where, and I thought, no, but uh, that was just it. I always think he always respected you a wee bit for that, mm. you know, well, that you stood up for yourself. But uh, too many boys probably let him walk over them and couldn't handle it. I would aye, imagine. aye, I would aye. Imagine. Paul, you need to ask about this player. I do, I do. This will be before your time, Rondo, yes. I think. But uh, like, I couldn't forgive myself. I didn't throw this in one notes, Jim. Uh, Peter Hustra. So there's a, there was a famous <laughs> clip that did rounds on uh, social media a while back of you absolutely cementing him <laughs> early in a match against Rangers at Tanadice. People, I was waiting to say, people of a certain age, even me watching it, looking back, thinking, I can't believe that's only a yellow card. Uh, but the first one did used to be free. <laughs> uh, were you under orders that day to let him know you were there? Or was it just a case of, like, he's a good player, I'm going to try and... Nah, I'll, I'll tell you the story that was, uh, we started that game and I was in the middle of the park and Hooster was having a field day against Alec, Alec Cleland. Mm-hmm. Right, he was murdering him. And Rangers went one up and uh, they could have went two or three up. And wee Jim shouted on me and I went, and he went, go to your right back and fucking sort him out. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, to this day, I don't know what made me do that. <laughs> because the ball wasn't even in the vicinity. <laughs> It wasn't yeah. it. And see, by the way, the abuse that I still get for Rangers fans. I could imagine. About that tackle. <laughs> and how I never got sent off was <laughs> he was always quite good to me, to be fair. Mm-hmm. That was Don McVicker. He was always quite good to me, but by God, he was extra good to me that day. <laughs> I showed it to my wee grandson one day. I says, Look, for. and he went, Oh, uh, he's only five today, and he was horrified. <laughs> uh, no, it's an absolute. Timeless classic. Oh, I, I know when it came about. I think it was actually when Peter Head was playing at Tannadice, and then my daughter had sent it to me. I think it came up in one of the United. Oh, I think we shared that as well. Uh, <laughs> we were like, Look and, at this. and my daughter sent it to me, and she says, "Dad, have you seen this?" <laughs> and I hadn't. I hadn't seen it. Mm. And I went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> you know, the last time I seen it when I had the the Hall of Fame. They actually, they actually put it up on the screen. <laughs> so that's why you're going, Doctor. There's your Hall of Fame clips. Aye. Aye. That. Aye. So, uh, aye, so I still get some abuse for that, I'll tell oh, you. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, do you remember what it was like at the time, the following year, when uh, Jim McLean announced he was stepping down and he was retiring? Aye. But I think if we're all being brutally honest, we thought this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. 
because see at the time there was rumours Alex Ferguson was having a torrid time at Man United and there was rumours that Fergie would maybe come and stuff like that and mm-hmm. and uh, and you know I'm getting, I'm saying stuff that, that's probably out there that I think we all felt as though you know we've had enough of him bullying us and shouting and balling and all the rest of it and it was time for a change or, or whatever and uh, so it was it was one of the things you kind of looked forward to a wee bit but then when it actually happened there hadn't been any change really because we always remember going back in for pre-season he was still sitting in his same office and uh, did he mail you out at all like after he'd done that or was it still the same Jim McLean no he was worse he he? was worse he was a terrible chairman (laughs) I can't say anything other than that because he had too much time in his hands and uh, my bust ups became endless with him then when he became chairman and I used to get really annoyed with with just things like I mean when Golak came in the first thing he did was appoint an assistant manager and then we Jim didn't let him bring in the assistant manager so it was always going to be hard for him uh, for Golak to you know to put his own stamp on it to a certain extent and it was just as well he was the character that he was that a lot he just I don't know if it's because he's he's he was foreign or whatever but a lot it just used to didn't phase him. Nah, he just used to get on me. I think he's just laid back. Aye. <laughs> he's just that, that he, way. He was, I think, it wouldn't have been me if you know what I mean. I would mm-hmm. just say, oh, no working under these mm-hmm. circumstances. But he uh, he did. And, uh, but you could, you could see it was a big change and it wasn't a change. It was good because we, we were playing a bit more freely, but tactically we weren't as good. Uh, training, tempo of training was a way down. Way down. We've held a few times. And uh, I mean, I'll not go too far now because obviously you're wanting to speak about maybe yep. the cup first. Yep. Uh, Andy McClam will tell us that when Jim McLean turned up at S4 training, their standards went up. And every single person's tell us when Ivan was starting training, it was just oh, we didn't we didn't dare this running. It was just it was so chilled out. So when well, I, Ivan had to be the best player at training, <laughs> so he joined in in the games. So although you still trained and you played your wee games, it was all about I am look at me, boy, I'm man of the match, and he shouldn't have been able to train with us. No, mm-hmm. no. So that's when the, that decline came, but because of the freshness and and all the rest of it, and the and uh, the run up to the cup and stuff like that. Mm. I mean, to be to be honest, I uh, it wasn't for me at the start. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I wasn't having it. And as you can see, I didn't play when he came in because he knew that I wasn't. I wasn't particularly having. What was going on? I didn't like it because the training had stand the standards of training and stuff like that. It went, it went away done, you know what I mean? So uh, I still liked him as a person, and and you know I felt sorry for him to a certain extent, but I wasn't I wasn't enjoying it mm-hmm. because I thought, nah, this is 
but there was a wee bit of momentum had came, you know, in games. I think they got to the semi-final at Tynecastle. Uh, I can't mind United, who we played. I wasn't playing anyway, but I was there. It was maybe Hibs or something like that. We lost, unluckily, I think, in the semi-final. Was that right in his, Ivan's first season? He'll be checking it. The League Cup semi-final. Yeah, Hibs. 1-0. Hibs at Tynecastle. Yep. Oh, Dun, Dun Jackson? Yes. I was at that game. Aye. So, you know, we'd, we'd had a wee run there and, and uh, things were going, going okay, but it was... Uh, eventually, I'd, I'd kind of made it up with my wee bit and just got on with it and, mm-hmm. and got into the team and that. And... Uh, you know, were, the, were the younger guys enjoying it? The younger they guys were enjoying it, more it so than Aye, they, There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about that. They they were handling the, you know, the training and stuff like that better than us because the standards had dropped and know that they weren't the good players. They were good players, but I think because the, we, we had to train every day how we played mm-hmm. and then that had changed and things were a bit slacker and, and uh, you know we weren't as it wasn't as strict as, as it as it used to be mm-hmm. and uh, you know as I say we had a wee bit of momentum when we kept going and, and that wee cup run uh, you know we had some some great games in it and you know that kind of a, a was you know a wee spit of smokescreen to what was actually really going on I think underneath you know yeah yeah well before we get to the cup run one game that we need to mention uh, was the visit to Ibrox Ivan stirring things up in the press beforehand but I think he he come out and say Rangers are they're an ageing side and we'll we'll dismantle them and then we were three nothing up in 21 minutes mm-hmm. uh, he was absolutely spot on oh that was a wonder- <laughs> one that was a wonderful day uh, <laughs> I think the ground was about empty at half time that day the Rangers fans had had uh, seen enough. Aye, they they'd seen enough. It was funny talk about that. I'd, I'd went on holiday a couple of years after that, and John McGregor was a Rangers coach at the time, and uh, he, he really likes that goal. Like that's just a fruit loop. And that he went. <laughs> he says, "I'll tell you what." He says he had Walter rattled. Yeah. He says Walter come in. He says, "What's he? What's goal like in the day?" Mm-hmm. You know. Which goal like saying the day? <laughs> and uh, well, it worked. And then he pinned it up in the wall. That mm. thing about being done and all that. Mm. And uh, he had they had them rattled. Yeah. He, that was his man management, you know. So that yeah. was where that's what he was particularly good at. We, we've we were fortunate enough to speak to Ivan a, a good while back. Mm. Now a couple of years ago, probably episode ninety four. Yeah, and uh, the one the one thing I'll never forget is how confident he is oh mm-hmm. <laughs> he oh. was just he absolutely loves himself oh. that, that that's the impression that we got but uh yeah like when we spoke about that game he's like well, I, I told you you know I knew that we would win I told you that that would happen 24 <laughs> seconds in what's Dave Bowman doing <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he was he was uh if you fed off it for a, you fed off it do you know what I mean mm-hmm. you fed off it especially in games when you were going into a game, you you know what I mean? Especially if you knew deep down what you were, your own job was and stuff like that. But it, it was that was where the difference was, is that this guy was making you feel good and encouraging you. Uh, 
and and that, and that's just certainly what happened. I mean, uh, that get that day against Rangers down there, he, we just wiped the flare with him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and uh, and that's just where where they got you. You know what I mean? They got you into that mindset. The Scottish Cup, then you you obviously had made it up. You played every single minute of it that year. It started with a trip down at Gayfield, and we'll get your um, thoughts on it because there was no cameras there. So just how far out was Craig Brewster's goal? And then I'll tell you what he told us. You talk about the Abroth game. Yeah. Yeah. My biggest thing about that Abroth game was if it went another five minutes, we were we won the winning. <laughs> the wind was horrific wind, that day. Yeah. Horrific. Yep. Brewster, I think's up at 45 years out now. <laughs> nah. <laughs> My biggest thing was, was Guido van der Kamp trying to clear the ball, trying to take a goal kick, back. and he kept coming Keep back going to back. Yeah. I can't actually remember Brewster's goal, to be honest. Oh, he says it was a raker. says it was... I'm not, den- I'm not denying it, but my biggest thing that day was getting through, because... Because they scored with about 10 minutes to go. And oh, it was a bit like, we were hanging mm-hmm. on for grim death. Yes. Hanging on for grim death. And I always, I always remember walking out of my car that day thinking, God, how could we play football in this? It was, <laughs> it was absolutely... The wind was... I mean, that, for a guy that's been at Peter Heed a long time, that that wind took a lot of growth that day, I'll tell you. <laughs> and then took two attempts to beat Motherwell. Big Welshie with the goal in the second one and Dave Neri absolutely strolling it in the middle mm-hmm. of the park that night. Strolling it. Outstanding. Oh, always, always. What about the strip? Are you a fan of that strip? Uh, I've got to be because I scored on it. But uh, no, nah, it was it was a different strip. <laughs> That's a nice different. way of putting it. <laughs> it was different. It was unique. Yeah, uh, certainly was. The fa- d- fans love it. I didn't mind it, to be honest. Fans love it. I didn't mind it. That's about the most complimentary that any ex player has uh, been about that nah, strip. Nah, a lot of boys were like, no. Nah. Well, she hated it, didn't he? But yeah. we were speaking of. Brian Welsh with the goal <laughs> and he says you know stepped up hit that boom and we're through so we asked Ivan why Brian Welsh was up there with his right foot and he says we used to teach him that on a Friday <laughs> used to play he says he probably scored that goal 20 times that week before that game <laughs> I'm thinking I wish we could speak to Brian Welsh now and ask him this Aye. But, I, I mean it was one of them the first the first game I've said it loads of times the two goals for Craig Brewster in the first game are two of my favourite United goals I think they're brilliant goals it's a great game but right at the end we just it feels like a kick in the balls oh, as aye, we lose aye. the goal and and but then we go to Nair I say Dave Nair's just strolling about 37 I think it was that night you never knew and then Welsh just out in a place and just think that top bin and what a feeling I know and the United I don't know what support we had that stand was nearly full that mm-hmm. night mm-hmm. it was a fantastic crowd there and uh no, it was it was a fantastic night. I think that was a night you felt as though this could be it. <clears throat> Names on the cup. Well, till we <laughs> till we played a hundred year old goalie and goal for Aberdeen, John Burridge, good, good keeper, very good he, keeper. He was brilliant in that first game. Aye, uh, that was that first game. Again, I thought we got strong in that game. Mm-hmm. First half wasn't as good, but we certainly deserved. We didn't deserve to lose it. In fact, I thought if anybody deserved to win it, it was us. But I always remember, I think it was Wally Miller after the game saying, oh, we should have won that. And I thought, well, it wasn't the game I was at, Wally. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Brian Welsh wasn't let an MD stop him no, get his head on that play. He was a right good player, you know, Brian Welsh. Mm-hmm. Right good player. Yeah, if it wasn't for injury, he would have he would have had a really, really good career. Had his run ins as well. I can know he did, but Had his uh, McLean contracts as well. 
Aye, but listen, his run-ins were a, a, a wee bit self-inflicted, I know, if you know what I mean, like yeah. Fergie to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. but Gloucester were the Erdry game, obviously, because, well, they were pretty shite. So, this the replay. Let's not hate Dens. Let's send Ardy back to Hamden for, for what it was. And I think I'm right in backing up what Dave Bowman said, but when a certain Jim McAnally put the ban in the net, the three players in the box at that, that time were you, Dave Bowman, and Morris Malpass. Aye. <laughs> the I know, three and, eldest and on the park. I know, and obviously I've seen that goal a few times, and Billy McNeil was doing a cool commentary, I think, and he said he actually said that. I don't know what these guys were doing. <laughs> but it was, I don't know if it was because of Ivan or whatever, we just, we knew we were playing, we would get forward and, and, uh, and you were just up and down. You were just up and down. And uh, just now, nah, it's just one of the best things that ever happened to me, that goal. Uh, was it slow motion for you? Because it felt like slow motion, even these it, days it watching was, it. I always say to people, it was Brian Grant was on the goal line mm. for Aberdeen and I always, I actually played with him for a while. And he went like, I thought I was going to save it. I said, well, that's why I took so long. Because I clipped it with my left foot past him. And... Uh, it was just it was just the best feeling ever because obviously my momentum had took me past mm -hmm. past the ball and I had to check and, and come back to it and uh, just to score again when you're a young player you think I'd love to score at Hamden and yeah. and then today in a semi final and it's the winner aye and and again a thing that's always I mean I, I don't know why I scored against Aberdeen all the time but I scored a hell of a lot of goals against yeah, Aberdeen some good ends as well and uh, it was a kind of a well-known thing at the time and uh, Scott Booth came on as a sub as we were setting up again after the goal mm -hmm. and I always said a thing about Scott Booth he was a good player but he was a bit soft you know what I mean and he comes here and jogs out to me and he goes Jimmy I can't believe you've scored against us again <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking I'm just going to boot the shit out of you <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean the only thing in my mind is I want to get to this final and you're going to be able to talk to me that's good but I'm going to boot the shit out of you for the rest <laughs> of the game you know? and I was told what that's kind of a typical you know I mean for me Scott Booth should have been a top top player but yeah. you know it was he ended up at Dortmund didn't he ah yeah but he should have had a, I yeah. mean for me yeah. he was a really really good player but always that we a wee weakness of mentality where, mm -hmm. you know, never mind me scoring, you should become known the pitch to go and murder me and no, exactly. get yourself back in the game. See, um, I meant to mention when I was speaking about the Motherwell game, that was the night Scott Crabb got injured. Aye. Did you go visit him in the hospital? No. Do you get what Dave Bowman took him? Ah, go on. Magazines for a certain shelf <laughs> for a news agent. <laughs> <laughs> left him at the bottom of the bed. So of the you couldn't get them. <laughs> Nah, the nurses are thinking what's going on there <laughs> no. um, before we touch on the final it actually wasn't a great season in the league that year but we no, were very no. up and down and even between the semi-final and the final I think we lost well, four what was the last, the last game before it we beat, beat with Aith Rovers did we not yeah, yeah we beat 3-2 yeah. yeah. mine's on the cup final or was it just the no, stoke because I, I, I've always said I think the Scottish Cup win takes away from the league campaign no being great but obviously, I'd rather win the cup, stay in the league, course. and all this. But of course, you know that build. It wasn't the best build-up, probably, to a final going against a Rangers team that were going for about a double treble or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
again, I think that gets back to what we were touching on earlier, that there was a decline. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that probably was getting shown in the league and glossed over in the cup to a certain extent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but he, the thing about the performances in between, I think... Uh, wouldn't they have mattered as much because it was Ivan but if it was wee Jim hmm. that would have been more thought you know he'd have thought more about it but as Ivan just oh we've got the cup final so we'll not dwell on we'll not dwell on that if you know what I mean we'll just mm-hmm. get on with this because it's Rangers again and we can beat Rangers because we have beat them aye yeah. and I'm pretty sure that's where where his mentality was, you know what I mean? That this he always said he was going to win the Scottish Cup. Mm-hmm. He always said it. And obviously the build up was that week was so relaxed. We've seen pictures and spoke to players that went to the golf, went to Hamilton races, had a couple of beers, mm-hmm. took you back to your forest days, I imagine. Um, it was it was crazy. I know. For us it was felt the, crazy. Were the races no your idea? I was yeah. of course I was all over that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We were only staying a Langer Road fit, to be fair. Aye. And uh, I went and said to him, I said, Gaffer's all right to go to the races. He says, yes, of course, boy. And uh, so uh, we, had a, we had a good day. The only the only problem with that whole week was, again, I'd fell out with wee Jim, uh, our tickets. And and uh, it was something that eventually that was my undoing to a certain extent. But... I wasn't going to let him spoil that week and he even spoiled Big David Neri's week to a certain extent I know on the Friday but well listen we just got on with we had a brilliant night on the Friday night because the sports scene had come into the hotel mm-hmm. and uh, and then obviously I mean I just love it as I said to you before the build up to the Scottish Cup final was, was just unbelievable I just absolutely loved it and despite what Rangers were going for. I'm assuming Ivan's belief rubbed off on everyone going into that game. Ah, uh, I mean, we just went into it thinking, obviously because we'd beat them so so well uh, in the last game. We just and by the way, Rangers. You should but we on a bad run. You should go and check Rangers statistics. I think Rangers had won the league maybe seven games before, yeah. and I'm pretty sure they were lucky if they'd won one yeah. game in the run up to it. And they thought they could just switch on and off like that. And top players can do that far less, you know, average players. And uh, and I'm not saying that they were average, but what I'm trying to say is, is world-class players can they just switch it on and off so like Rangers couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and we were, I mean, okay, me, Bo and Morris had experience, but we had a lot of legs about us in that team. And, uh, we just set about them, to be honest. Felt, I felt for the start of that game, we just set about them. I always believed, like I think I've said that to you before when we've spoke about that game, maybe I was drinking whatever Golak was serving up, but I always thought that we were going to win that game. Even though I'd my, my first cup final was 85, so I hadn't seen we win. I'd barely seen we win at Hamden. I didn't actually make the replay when, when you scored your winner. So... It was bizarre, but there was just an air of confidence about it. Probably until about whenever it was that Alec Cleland got hit for the front, the back, the side, and Rangers and Rangers got a free kick for that. Like that was one of the worst decisions I've ever had. And even at that age of like sixteen, seventeen, whatever it was, I thought 
like the, the penny was starting to drop, thinking referees are they, they're not going to go out their way to help us here. That was one well, of the worst decisions was, I've ever seen. It was Kenny Hope's brother Doogie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kenny Hope was the guy that chucked the goal off against it, man. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I obviously I was livid because uh, I'd actually just cleared the ball off the goal line. Mm-hmm. Rangers, we went right at the park, didn't we? And, yeah, you and, had and, off, yeah. and we all shot up the park. Yeah. And uh, they got a foul. It's for the that. most blatant penalty, and they get the foul. Aye, yeah. the most blatant penalty I've ever seen. You're yeah. so right about the, the whole the way Ivan played. Like you said in the, in the game against Aberdeen, you three are in the box, really on your position. Should never be in that box. Aye. Oh, it's Clellan's the furthest boy up the park there. Aye, I know. For that, I know. And that was us breaking for their corner. Mm-hmm. You just know? It, it, even then, I mean, that's it. how that's not a foul. How that doesn't even go for one. Most <laughs> of the opposition was it was just we did we didn't need it. We didn't need it. No, we didn't. Um, Brewster's goal. Do you remember where were you on the park at the time? What was your view of it? Would no, you, uh, just Chris and Daly just done fantastic chasing mm-hmm. the chasing a lost cause and and uh, they made it all manufactured the way it did. It was just the best feeling in the world to to see that get in. You know what I mean? You just knew then that you had a chance. Mm-hmm. Extra you know? sweet that it was against Dolly Maxwell. <laughs> nah, <laughs> after three years previous. Nah, <laughs> you just, oh, it was just the best feeling ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just, you just felt as though it was your day to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Still, still that. needed Guido. Made a couple aye, of saves aye. as well. But listen, we didn't stop either. We, no. We still kept going up the park and, and uh, you know, we had good opportunity. We should have done better a couple of times. Uh, we didn't just sit in. No, no. We didn't We didn't sit in. We kept playing. And uh, 15 minutes for time, Big Ferguson comes on. Aye, that's right. Big Fergie came on. But Big Fergie wasn't ready to play in that. that was, I think that was desperation, to be honest with him. At that stage, Uh uh, Mikhail Achenko was the, probably the biggest he's danger. A good he's really he was a good player. Danger for them at the time. But uh, no, we, I mean, Guido had a couple of brilliant saves and he took some good crosses and stuff like that and took mm-hmm. the pressure off. But in general, I just thought we'd seen it out quite well. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we'd seen it out well and uh, it just. What was it like after it then? When, when you'd. It, it, it kicks in like you finally won a I think it was just so me, close so me, often me Bo and Morris had just got together and because we'd suffered the most I think mm-hmm. and uh, just looking at all these boys running about there thinking they think this is normal to just yeah. turn up in the first Ma- game Andy McLaren aye. thought he'd done every year aye. it was his only final and, was it and uh, he was class that day though mm-hmm. aye yeah. aye you give and the boy, you give their fullbacks a torrid time. Nah, nah, listen, Andy was a top player. Mm-hmm. He was a top player. David Robertson, wasn't it? Would it no, been Neil, Neil Murray. It was Neil, Neil Murray. Murray. No, Andy was on the left, I think. Oh, Christian, Christian was out on the right. Yeah, Andy was Most on the, the left. Time. Gave them hell, though. The ah. two of them were right up for it. And again, he was like, oh, do this every year. <laughs> nah, no, I know. I know. But it, just, it was just the best feeling. It was so, so special. And again, I just think because you always thought, right, now we can get this open deck bus and <laughs> and just all the things you dreamed about then you know mm-hmm. what I mean and especially with the club that you'd been with for so long you know the, the three years had been been there for so long and and uh, it was just it was just brilliant did you believe the hoodoo thing no no 
I think that was for the fans, I think. Nah, that fans in the press. That was a press thing. And that thing with the, like you say about, you say the UEFA Cup, you didn't touch it with the Scottish Cup, you had to go past it that couple of times. Oh, At least this know, time you were, you were getting a stop. I know. And you know, every every time we used to meet up after the Scottish Cup finals that we lost, we Jim used to go like that. I don't need to ask whose medal this is now, because I just used to get the medal and throw it. <laughs> and the Hamden guy that would clean up used to send the medals. Somebody's lost their medal. And eventually he'd come and Jimmy, there's your medal. <laughs> just wasn't interested in them. Well, Paul made a really good point to us. He, he he thought like going up for a runners up medal is just like what's the point? Like, mm. What is the point? Aye, you know. And I, I, that's I'm a wee bit like that as well. Cause no, it's pretty, pretty it's pretty cruel. Yeah, yeah. And you know, especially when you're walking past a cup. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's pretty cruel. But Christ, you, you had to do it, and and uh, it was it was horrible. Oh, so horrible. But anyway, that that just. Righted all the wrongs. Yeah. And they? obviously lifted the cup and the sea of tangerine that was oh, there. Oh, was, was just fantastic, man. Amazing. Fantastic. How was the after party? Ah, brilliant. I remember actually drinking too much in the in the dressing room <laughs> and uh, thinking to myself, right, no, I'm stopping. I could, I could feel it was too much champagne. I was lying in the bath and uh, then I thought, no, I'm, I'm not going to have another drink. I'm going to savour this. And I didn't have an hour drink. Mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to take all this in. And that's what I'd done. And, and uh, my dad had kind of suffered with me. My dad was always in the Tangerine Club. That was my dad's place. Mm-hmm. My, my dad loved it. And that was all his pals in there. And they got to know them really well. So he jumped on the Tangerine bus after the game. And that was him. He was away for, he was away for the whole weekend and all. And then when we get back up the road, uh, we took the cup down to the marquee. Yeah. And my God, that was chaos. <laughs> oh, I could imagine. That was chaos. I always, always now forget that the ambulance coming for the boy Kettles and that his blood was all streaming down him. He wouldn't go, man. He was like, and we jump nearly the fit, but we had that cup. We had that cup there, you know what I mean? Yeah. We just took it down just for to Davey Young and because nah. they were I mean they were fanatics in there that, yeah, that, that mob you know what I mean they were smugglers lot and that. Uh, yeah. and then we went to the Tangerine Club and uh, it was just brilliant I've still got the 40s with my dad and that with a cup Morris and Bo and, and they're just memories nobody can take away from you you know what I mean yeah. mm-hmm. and what about the Sunday Sunday was just that was what it was all about for me that in the city square and all that and having the kids and and uh, again the young team, I think they partied Sunday night and Monday night. Probably. Because we all stayed near each other in Wannifeath. And McLaren was down the road. Well, she was down the road. And I think they were just staying each other's houses. And everybody was just got there and staying. And, but I wasn't a drinker anyway. I just, when I come back from Forest and I seen the standard of training, I thought, I'm st-. so I went teetotal. And uh, I never started drinking until I started managing. <laughs> During the game. <laughs> so that was me. And I, and I mean, I just, I just savoured that whole time. Yeah. Savoured it. Incredible time as well. Um, some of the players that come in under Ivan, obviously Craig Brewster came in. I think Jim McLean signed him because he didn't kick a bar for a while. Gordon Petrich come in. Mm-hmm. 
for us, what a player. Yeah, he's class act. What a player. I mean, getting taught English for Brian Welsh is different, but Aye. Uh, <laughs> he was class, wasn't he? It was a class act, but mentally, a wee bit weak. Mm-hmm. A wee bit weak. He was happy playing against big guys. See, when he was playing against a wee striker, he used to say, Jimmy Mack, I'm, I know I play small striker. <laughs> and he was, sometimes he would have a poor game because he, the yeah. wee guys would ruffle him up and stuff like that. Yeah. But he was a class act. He was, I mean... I know he went to Rangers and that, but he he probably could have done a wee bit better in his career. Mm-hmm. But he uh, uh, he was just close to to the Hegarty and Eddie's, I think, as you could get. Yeah, uh, could play in middle of the park and all. And a nice nice big guy, a big Gordon, nice big guy. Yeah. I mean, you kind of got to be when you're playing next to Brian Welsh, I suppose. You've got to just but get I on. I said to you, Welsh was a good player. Mm-hmm. Welsh was a very good player. I mean, he was really good in the air, good left foot, good pace. His knee injury just. Yeah. Yeah. And the say. season was obviously built around the 20 million, man. Jaren. Jaren. <laughs> used to frustrate the life out of you, Jaren. Used to have some laughs with him. Some last of him, Jaren, because he was he was a uh, such a different culture. Oh yeah, such a different culture. You see him in clubs playing in like the snow with gloves on. And it's like, oh, listen, I, I remember uh, saying at the physio one day he was in Germany, couldn't find what's wrong. I said, no way to do. I said, I'm going down to the beach to get into the water. I said, send them down with me. <laughs> and he was training the next day. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I thought he was going to die in the water. <laughs> He was stunning, freezing, man. <laughs> nah. Yeah, it just, it was one of the, I don't know, it was just even tongue in cheek about all this, but a lot of pressure put on a boy that you're hoping they'll come aye. in and give you a wee spark, because that's what he was there. And you saw aye. wee glimpses of Oh, yeah, listen, he was near Mug. Mm-hmm. He was near Mug, and he was, listen, he was a good boy. Yeah. He was a good boy. He was good to be in the dressing room and that. Yeah. You know? I'm assuming nobody could foresee what was going to happen the following season. With a high of the winning the cup to, well, even how it started on the very first day at Easter Road when we took five or six for a goalie that I don't think has got any arms. <laughs> well, he was hopeless. I, uh, I'd already had enough been in, mm-hmm. and that was just because in my fought with the chairman, mm. and and that had kind of a rumbled on a wee bit for me and what happened was there'd been a see because that game was such a big game for Rangers that cup final it was a double they were going for a the double treble for the first time ever or something like that so tickets were hard to get by because obviously the renovations mm. in Hamden so we get in and the, I think it was the Monday morning or whatever and the boys are all sitting talking you've to up and see the chairman he wants to know what you've done with your tickets and say I had something like 15 or 20 tickets or something like that and we all had that amount of tickets the, the evening time in Glasgow had carried a story that they were getting sold for 10 times the money on the black market or whatever and so you've to go up and tell them who so I was like the boys are all going like that usual nah no tell them nothing you tell them no tell them no tell them nothing and they all come down. I just tell them, and I just tell them. <laughs> so I get up, and he throws a pen in a 
a booker at me. And he says, write the name and address of everybody you've given a ticket to for the cup final. And I says, I'll tell you what, you write the name and address of everybody you've given a ticket to, and then I'll follow you. And he went, I knew it would be you. <laughs> he says, you'll never get another ticket while you're at this club and all that. And anyway, that was me. So <laughs> I never got any comps for the cup final. I had to buy all my tickets, which was fair dues. I was, I was, uh, and then... Big Davy was the same. Big Davy and Harry went in. And Big Davy get freed. He'd get freed on a Friday or something like that and didn't even know. And Ivan didn't even know. Mm. So that was why Big Davy was. Uh, so anyway, I then got a letter about the week after the cup final for the board of directors to say they were disgusted with my uh, behaviour and stuff like that, you know. And stuff. Was the board of directors essentially. The man, uh, the chairman, I. Yeah. I. Anyway, that was. So I'd kind of I said to Ivan at the start of the season, I says, "Look, I'm better out of here because, you know, I just, I'm, I'm no happy here or whatever." And because it continued, I played in a reserve game against Celtic at Clifton Hill, believe it or not. Celtic were playing at Albion Rovers' ground, mm -hmm. and uh, I got booked near the end. And I got an eight hundred pound fine, which I couldn't pay obviously in one week because it was too. Mm -hmm. so. This had all just carried on, and it was just getting silly. So uh, I'd said to Ivan, "Look, enough, enough." Um, but but what was happening was the results were getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then we got to about Christmas, and Ivan said to me, "He phoned me at the house one night. I think we're playing Aberdeen in Boxing Day." And he says, "Can you can you forget everything and and just come and play?" Uh, he says, "We're we're in desperate trouble." So I, I says, "I look, I was missing playing anyway, you know what I mean." So, so I just come back playing again, and again, lucky. If, I don't know if it's because I wasn't playing, but I'd come back in and and uh, I'd got a brilliant reception for the fans and that because I think they knew that. Uh, what had been going on to a certain extent mm. and then I'd actually hit the ground running again and uh, but the results just couldn't continue and by the way I remember still speaking to wee Jim when when I even went I think the day he went I think because I always had it out with him I could still talk to him mm -hmm. do you know what I mean so we'd never, there, was a, a there, was nothing, there was nothing underlying and he says what would you do and I says what would I do? I says, you should come back as a manager. They went, no, no, I can't be responsible for his getting relegated. <laughs> and I said, we won't get relegated if you come back. Mm -hmm. But then they obviously broke Kirky in. Yeah. So, I just thought if he'd have come back in, because honestly, I always remember, see for weeks and weeks of training, I'd never done this, but I was, and Bo probably tell you the same, I was nailing people at training and that, because they just weren't at it. Mm-hmm. They were not nowhere near the standard, and and uh, you just seen it coming, you know. And just I was losing my heat at training and and stuff like that, and and results when they just were just getting worse, you know. Mm. Yeah, that was it. Going in that season as well, we we after the cup final, that's when we went to Trinidad and everything, wasn't it? Aye, and then aye. we started pre season back. I think going to Malaysia to play Bayern Munich and. Well, I, I never was... went on any day trips. Well, know? sorry, I went to Trinidad for two nights. Did you? Just two? Aye. I wasn't wanting to go. 
And uh, I hate to leave my kids in that. Mm-hmm. And that and, was a long trip. They played like four games in Vienna. So aye. it would have been a- so. Uh, anyway, I said to uh, I said again. I said, I said to Ivan. I says, look, Weezy was making me go. And after, after my bus stop, we um the week of the cup final, I had to I had to get another go. So Ivan says, so I went for two nights and I come back. Uh, and and that was it. Then they went to Malaysia. Mm. I think this was all the same agent. I think it was an agent that was Probably, that was yeah. doing this, you know. But uh, I hated day trips. Hated them. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so that was it. So it was now nah, that season was, and then when Kirky came in, uh, because Kirky came for Rangers, his first game would obviously be against Rangers. Aye, but not just that. Just <clears throat> I think Kirky thought. I can do this like Walter does it. Mm-hmm. You know, Rangers were just having playing wee games and and boxes and stuff like that, and we needed more than that mm. at the time. Yeah, it was too and late as well. Far <laughs> too late. It may have been too late, but I still thought we needed to prepare a wee bit more. If you know, what I mean, I, this was Kirky's first venture into management and stuff like that, and and. Uh, we needed to sh- we we were always well organised and we all knew our jobs and but it was all a wee bit mishmash and the team were all the place and we had suspensions and I'll never forget the last game against Aberdeen. It wasn't it the last game, it was the second last game at Pitodre when it was both us that that were that were in and we had loads of suspensions and injuries. Mm. And we never picked that team until two o'clock on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Whereas we needed to be working on that team all week. Yeah. To, to shape it up and and uh, to give yourself a better chance and uh, and that's not a criticism of Kirky I just think Kirky thought this is how it is because I've learned this for water but he was working with you know top top players at Rangers yeah. you know and uh, and again it wasn't Kirky's fault so he's probably thinking well if we get done you know I can get his I'll get his back up the next season anyway mm. you know what I mean that Rangers game his first game do you know who was in the goal for Rangers that day? No. Billy Thompson. Oh, was he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they scored after about 20 seconds, right enough. But oh, I, think it, I think it was sooner than that. Probably. It was about 10 seconds. It was, uh, it was pretty disappointing. That, that was around about the time Davy Cooper passed away, I'm sure. Right. So there was a minute silence at that okay. game. Something right. like that. I take it when it got to the end of that season and we'd been relegated, you obviously made your mind up. You were That was you? Well... Again, or was there still a chance? No, what had happened was is the uh you spoke about all the foreigners coming in, right? Mm. And uh we Jimmy called me up to his office as the chairman and said offer me a new contract. And uh I says, I what is it? And he he says to me, I can't remember what the wages were, three hundred and something or whatever, and and uh and I'll give you a testimonial. And I says, you give me a testimonial. And he says, aye, a testimonial. And I says, that's the fans that give me the testimonial. I says, what, you giving me the, the club? Testimonial, he starts shouting at me. I says, no, you're bringing in all these foreign guys, you're giving them more money than I've ever had in all my time here. And they've gave you nothing. So what are you giving me? I'm giving you a testimonial. Kept shouting, I'm giving you a testimonial. I says, I'm not want a testimonial. I says, the fans are only paying for my loyalty. 
that was just the way I seen testimonials. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, he actually walked out his office and left me in it. <laughs> and Duke Smith, who was, I think Duke was the chairman. I yeah. don't know why Duke was the chairman, right? But we Jim still ran the club, if you know what I mean. But Doug came in and Doug says, what's happened? And I tell him, I says, look, Doug, I need to go. I said, I can't. This is getting too much, you know. This is happening too often. I said, and I feel as though the club should, shouldn't should be expecting the fans to pay for my loyalty, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, uh, so Doug says, right, I'll, I'll make sure you go. And uh, they sold me for 150000 Made profit on you. <laughs> <laughs> sold me for 150,000 you were only a year at Wraith and then you come back to play under I, Tommy I, I hated listen I hated I've been away mm. I'd been too too used to staying here and training and uh, and we well we Tommy came into Wraith Rovers for a week mm-hmm. and again he said to me one morning because I was I was coaching I was coaching there, and he came in one morning and says come here come here I says what is it where you make your wee, your wee gym? I says, what? He said, he's let me take this job. Then he sacked Kirky. And now he wants me to walk out of here. Could he not have done that last week? <laughs> he was only there about six days or something. Ah, sure. Aye, oh, it, was a, clean, it was yeah. a terrible situation. Yeah. And uh, he says, will you come with me? I said, I'll come with you. Because I, I, I hated it there. Because yeah. Jimmy Nicholl just, me and him didn't get on at all. And then when Jimmy Nicholl left, I was assistant manager to Jimmy Thompson. He was a good guy. And we actually done well. We finished six mm. in the Premier League. And then we started the season because the stands were getting done. Or the stand was getting done. We were had to play four away games. First one was at Ibrox where we just lost 1-0 to a, a penalty kick. Then the second game was at Celtic Park. We lost 4-1. And then we lost to Airdrie in the League Cup. And then they lost another game. And they sacked the manager. So uh, I just thought, well, I always had this thing in my head. If I'm assistant manager to a manager and he gets sacked, then I'm gone with him. Because mm. I've always felt as though that's what should happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just said to the chairman there, I says, look, I need to get out of here. So we Tam was my lifeline to bring me back. And then I knew I wasn't good enough to to stay in that team especially when we brought the Scandinavians and they were brilliant they were brilliant I mean you've talked about players coming in that weren't up to the standard these boys surprised every single one Aye. of us I think yeah, well Shell I mean was, it was Erland because you were was on against. trial Shell was on Zetland trial is obviously Gothenburg but Shell come on trial and but see I, I always thought Zetland got a wee bit too much criticism for my liking I think he was a good player the United fans I think out of the forum he was the one that they didn't take to, mm-hmm. but he was still a good player. Pedersen was different class. Uh, Olofsson was different class. And Big Big Seab was a great signing, I know. Oh, mm-hmm. Big Dykstra. Just, just for his presence and... Love Tanny's in centre half. <laughs> no, it was... So, honestly, it was a brilliant time. It was an absolute brilliant time. And, and because I was, I was on the coaching staff... And I was a, a kind of in and out of the team. It was really good. Mm. And I got on well with wee Tam. Yeah. Uh, and just, I mean, wee Jim was still obviously up the stair. But I still got on fine with wee Jim and all. It was, it was no nae animosity, really. Uh, we went on a brilliant run as well. About oh, like aye, Christmas aye. to April. And it's like 
21 games we only lost once I know and I, I always remember but I used to go to Visoki's with wee Tam on a, a Friday because he had a wee wee Tam and a, a wee a wee daughter was she only young at the time I know the same as same as yours and we used to go to Visoki's and near the end of that season he kind of said to me you you want to keep playing didn't you and I said I, I'd rather go and go down a league or something and keep playing that's when I ended up going to Dundee but we were talking about United and he says and I says you've done absolutely brilliant you've done brilliant I said fin- finish second third 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 uh, we might have been second actually from what I'm talking about is when when Tommy taken when Tommy took over. Over. yeah yeah right and he went aye but Jimmy that's enough enough foreigners no more foreigners we don't need any more we've got we've got enough now we, we, we don't need any more and obviously then I left and then before I knew it there was a load of them coming mm. oh, they uh, weren't nearly as good they were hopeless aye but I always wondered was there another agent came on mm. the scene because yeah. uh, we Tam had definitely said no this isn't the way ahead and then all of a sudden there was another saturation in them mm. and, and they weren't good enough and, and then we Tam suffered because uh, we Tam wasn't as confident as we Jim wasn't confident either but we Tam wasn't and uh, I was I was gutted for him because you know after I'm saying that to me because they, they were a good foundation of a team because you still had Malpass there Craig Easton was a really good young player at the mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. Uh, you know McLaren and that were still playing I think it was Coyley there he'd been and in Coyle. around that, well he was there for the for the, the playoff game, for yeah. the year beforehand aye so. but anyway there, there was a good side but I always just felt as though we Tam had been foisted upon a wee bit probably by his mm. brother you know what I mean because mm-hmm. uh, they were good signs Uh but just too many came again, so it was it was it was sad for wee Tam to finish like that because he done done absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he really did. Um, you obviously once you finished playing, you obviously went into coaching, management, and all that kind of stuff. Like we said beforehand, you've you've most recently Peter Head's manager for eleven years. Take us through sort of the coaching career that you've you've had then, given it started a fair wee back when you were just mentioning there at United at Wraith and stuff. Well, obviously I had that wee spell at Wraith mm-hmm. and uh, I really enjoyed that period and when I'd finished with Dundee I was thinking I was about 35 I got the chance to go to Sligo Rovers and be the manager, player manager and uh, it was pretty stupid of me going there actually because I wasn't taking my family and stuff like that and and uh, they were a, a kind of a unique club. Sligo, they were they were run like the old teams used to run years ago. They had about 20, 20 committee members and uh, nothing was a secret. The I went to one board meeting and then vowed never to go to another one because <laughs> uh, I said to the chairman, look, if you want to speak to me, you speak to me and you can tell them. I said, but I'm not sitting with all these guys because they were just running about the town telling everybody what I had just said in the board meeting or whatever. <laughs> So, and that was a tough, tough league, the Irish league. So, anyway, I couldn't cope with her. 
short minded how short minded they were and stuff like that, you know. And uh we'd actually done a couple of brilliant games. We went to Cork and won for the first time in twenty odd years and stuff like that. But they'd gave <laughs> they'd gave me a car and uh and then I found out that they'd never Insured that then like that. <laughs> so you're driving about the country. I'm driving about. I was actually on the ferry and all that. I used to come back with it. And uh, just, listen, I made a lot of good friends and it was a great experience, but I came back and and then Mark Manil had went to Celtic and I was John Robertson, who was his assistant manager, was always a close friend and I knew Martin Welfy when I went to Nottingham. Martin was at Notch County as a player so uh, I'd, I'd I'd always kept in touch with him and uh, so when they get in at Celtic he first of all had me going to being like being a scout I used to go and watch games and uh, then eventually a job came up with the youth team so I got that job and I was there for three years four years and uh, it was brilliant because at close quarters I was able to to watch guys like Larson and all that and see these guys at close quarters and how professional they were mm-hmm. and stuff like that and uh, but I still had always wanted to do it myself and people always like see even Celtic supporters and they'll slag they say me about Posta Coglu or Brendan Rodgers they just left and that I says I've left twice I left as a player mm-hmm. and I left as a coach because you've got to do other things mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you don't you know, you don't support them or whatever, but you've got to do what's right for you. So, uh, the Morton job had come up and, uh, my God, what an experience that was because Morton had blown, was it about a 16 point lead or something like that before I went? And there was rumours of that the players had been betting on the opposition. I think Airdrie was the team that won the league. There were only rumours. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the fans hated the players. And uh, so it was a hell of an introduction to management, I'll tell you, because uh, we did pick it up. But see, eventually when you get done to the, the bottom of it, the team was just wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And that's why they didn't win it, if you know what I mean. We finished, uh, we finished second or third, second, but it was only... There wasn't no playoffs in the, in the days. The playoffs came the next year. Mm-hmm. So, unluckily, unlucky for me, Gretna had came in the scene. Bought the league. So, and then, I always remember this, right? I'd done an article with the, with the local paper or something like that. And they said, uh, I said, look, if we, can, if we don't come up in the top two next year, then I'll chuck it. Then they brought in the playoffs, so it was only one went up. So when we finished setting the next year, they were calling for my head <laughs> <laughs> and throwing this back in my face and that. And uh, I was like, honestly, see the abuse I used to get. Mm-hmm. I mean, there used to be fans waiting outside. I mean, we, we lost the playoffs at Peter Heath. And see, because I was gullible and didn't the day social media. I never knew about fans' forums and stuff like that, right? And apparently I was getting dogs abuse. So after we beat with Peter Heed, there had been a big Morton support up. I think it was about 1,500 up for the game or something like that. And I came out and my wife was waiting and my two kids 
oh my god see the walk to the car it was like the walk and they were, the abuse they were giving me and my kids are breaking their heart and that and uh, anyway the chairman had said to me look you've done your job this year you finished second to Gretna mm-hmm. you know okay we could have done better in the playoffs but you know didn't turn out then the next year we won it and that was the day I should have walked away because I'd showed no emotion whatsoever mm-hmm. because I'd been hurt so much with what had happened the year before and uh, eventually did walk away halfway through the next season so uh, I had a great chairman and that's just, uh, listen, that's the secret to football clubs having good chairmen and uh, getting support after a good chairman mm-hmm. and then when I left Morton to my daughter's horror I took her the worst team in Britain East Stirling Shire if they finished bottom again they were losing their their status yeah because you there had been a rule come out that if you finished the bottom for the f- five years five consecutive years you're losing your membership <laughs> so so I'd went in second bottom and then after a week we were bottom and uh, in the last day in the last game at the old first park at the, mm-hmm. we beat Montrose to, to finish second bottom and I had this wee office underneath the stand and I've never seen celebrations like it in my life. There was about 800 at the game and they had the players ruining their shoulders <laughs> <laughs> for finishing second bottom. <laughs> and, and all my life, I always say to people, by the way, that was one of my best achievements <laughs> because then the club had started getting a wee bit more professional. There was a guy who had come in, Spencer Fern, and had started putting a wee bit of money into the budget. So the next two years we finished in the playoffs and uh, we, we lost in the playoffs but we got into the playoffs and uh, what a time I had there. I absolutely loved it. And mm. by the way, talk about supporters. See these people, these, mm. all they were used to was losing and it was like because we started to win in that, it was like so, it was so I mean I took Brian Graham mm-hmm. to the Shire for Morton because I took him to Morton and then I took him and he, he battered in about 20 odd goals and uh, we, had a, we had a great time there and it was only again politics that I left there because they'd been squabbling about who owned the club and and uh, I left there and then I went to Peterhead and again I had a great chairman there and uh, I just you know although I don't miss it I've no regrets for any of it mm-hmm. you know you had a couple of United players on loan at Peterhead as well. Ah, yeah, I've uh, had a few. Sheep. Aye. And Aye. Flynn, well, Flynn Duffy was Flynn here. Duffy and then a, a Jack Newman Jack at the start of the, the season, season for, a, uh-huh. for a few games. But no, I was, you know, it was always, I never, see when I left Morton, I never had an inkling to be a full-time manager again. But mm-hmm. the only job I ever wanted was a shot at Dundee United. Mm-hmm. It was the only job I ever wanted a shot at because I thought, you know, I think I could, I could win the crowd there, and you know, I could. I always felt tactically. I, I, I won a lot of big games at Peterhead. You know what I mean? Went to Ibrox and won. Mm-hmm. Played Rangers in the Cup final at Hamden. Beat United at Tannadice. Beat Hearts at Peterhead. Beat Dundee. You know what I mean? With a lot of big results, mm-hmm. and uh, even got that League Cup group one year, which was which is the hardest thing ever today. Uh, 
so I, I liked a shot of it, but you know, it was, it was really never going to happen. Stephen Thompson asked me one time to, to meet him for a coffee and they uh, never phoned me again. So, uh, so that was his close, but that was the only job that I would have, I would have loved it. I've never had an inkling to be, uh, I think Morton's gun on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I will though, but I, I dare say when you're going through something like that, it was probably horrendous or it would have been horrendous. Like, you must learn something for they, they're really shitey experiences though. Like whether or no that's gonna be a full time manager ever again or, or whatever aye, you must take aye. something for it. I think I think what you learn in football is, is is I think as you get older and things happen in your life, like you know, you lose your parents and stuff like that and and, uh, and you put it in perspective. Mm-hmm. You put the game in perspective, it's a game. Yeah. It's a game, right? And it's to be enjoyed, and I know, I know, it's fine saying that if you support Celtic or whatever, and and you're going there all the time or whatever. But you know, I I I think back to when I was at the Shire, these guy diehard supporters, and and uh, football's a day out with your family if if you're lucky, mm-hmm. or it's just a day out where you should, you know, try and try and enjoy going right. I went to Dens recently. I can't even mind who it was they were playing. It was a midweek game against somebody. And it was about 10 minutes into the game, right? And this guy shouted, and this guy, usual shiter. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, what did you come for? I think, see, because I started going to games after being a manager, I was I was sitting getting annoyed with the fans. I went to a broth because my son-in-law, Ryan Dow, mm-hmm. plays for a broth, right? Mm-hmm. So I went up to a broth. I'd heard all about the new facilities and they've got, you know, automatic turnstiles and all the rest of it. I spent a fortune on it and I went up and I was so impressed with it, right? Brilliant facilities. Grounds all been upgraded and they were playing Partick Thistle and there was 2,200, something like that there, right? So I'd went over opposite the main stand. I was in the, the shed. It was pretty packed, right? And there was nothing each against Thistle. We were a good team. And all I'm hearing is abuse. Campbell, get the fuck. Campbell, Campbell. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you are a broth, <laughs> right? Your ground's looking absolutely magnificent. You're playing in the championship. Mm-hmm. Just enjoy it. For a few years now. Aye, please just enjoy it. And just think, you don't need to keep abusing the manager, who, by the way, I don't like. So, you know what I mean? But that's by the by. Mm-hmm. I know how good a job he's done. Yeah. You know, and I just think, just enjoy supporting your team because I know it's I know it's no easy to keep saying that and and whatever, but it is only a game. Yeah. What is next for you then? Oh, keep delivering medicine. <laughs> Just keep with that. You, are they, have you got any inkling of going by? Nay, nay, not at the minute. Oh yeah, no, not at the minute. No, I. Uh, no, I'm 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 just really quite happy. I've I've got two grandsons at five and. They're playing football now and late on a Saturday I can go and watch Fun Fours or whatever they're doing. And Show them how to tackle. And <laughs> oh, I, I, <laughs> they tackle each other. <laughs> but no, I just, I'm happy in life, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, uh, I've, had a, I've had a couple of chances to go to clubs in, in League Two. Uh, but no, I'm no, I've done a few gigs in the radio, which I really enjoy doing because... Uh, I sometimes think people go on the radio and don't say what they see sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? 
And I quite enjoy that aspect to it where, you know, I think I said something about when I was doing commentary in one of the games about I've got season. They were talking about VAR, right? They were talking about VAR. And uh, and I said, well, look, I've got season tickets here. And they'd ever asked me, did I want VAR? Because I'm telling you right now, as a season ticket holder, all VAR has done is, is ruined the game because every time a goal gets scored, there's a VAR check. Mm. Takes, and, it takes away the spontaneity. Aye. To celebrate. And, and apparently I got a bit of stick for Peter. I mean, again, Twitter, well, I can't believe he said he's a season ticket holder at Celtic or whatever, but you're only telling people the truth. Mm-hmm. And you're telling people that you're a supporter and as a supporter, you should be heard. Do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. it's really football is about supporters and they're the people that count yeah. and they're the people that are never considered. You know what I mean? Very, very rarely. Yeah. And if it's no referees we're shouting about, it's usually VAR and some other shite. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you tonight. Thanks for giving up a lot of time. Our last question, as always, is how do you sum up your time at Tanadice? Just fantastic. I mean, my football career, my, f- my playing career, is Dundee United. You know, uh, that's the bottom line. For me, really, I've, I've, uh, a lot of people say things to you like, I oh, support Celtic, or you did this, and that's fine, right? Like, as I've said, I've said to people before, it doesn't stop me wanting Dundee United to win, or I mean, I stay here, and you know, even my wee grandson say, Oh, Dundee United is my second team, and and that's that's just you can't take nobody can take that away from you, that affection that you've got for that club you know what I mean because that's where a lot of your memories are and uh, that's why I never moved away from here because I love staying in the city Uh, and you know it's just as I said before if you when when somebody said to me why did you go to Dundee United for a third day of wages well I went to Dundee United because I wanted to to be part of something special a team that's always knocking about semi-finals, finals or whatever and that all happened and you know the European thing nobody will ever take that away from you and it will probably never get done again I actually said to Willie Muller a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the Gothenburg thing again and for me Alex Ferguson as a manager his biggest you know his for everything that he's done in his career, Aberdeen for me beats beat everything yeah. at Man United. Biggest achievement. And Wally says, do you think so? I says, well, I don't think there's any doubt about it, Wally. I says, you look at Aberdeen and Dundee United, it's just incredible that, I mean, and then there's obviously, if you look at that, there's a there's a wee thing is about, about the, where were we in Europe? Were the six or something? Were the six best team in Europe? Mm-hmm. And something like that. It's incredible. It's incredible. And, and just to be part of that is is uh, absolutely brilliant. Jim, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Yeah, loved it. So thank you very much to the Hall of Famer, Jim McAnally, for coming along to Casa McNichol a good few weeks ago now. And uh, I don't know about you, Rondo, but I was just fascinated with his stories. I think it took about 40, 45 minutes to actually get anywhere near his time at Tanadice. Uh, but the Brian Clough stories were, they were amazing. Like I was absolutely hooked in on them. Yeah, and saw him yesterday as well. 
you did see him yesterday. He was sitting just below you in the in the, the Jerry Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was a uh, good man, a good man. Yeah, it was. It was great to chat to him. He was a player who knows. Didn't go under the radar, like in, in terms when you speak about these legends. But I think his name sometimes gets forgotten about, mm-hmm. you know. But then when you look at his actual achievements, and we went through his career and everything, like his story about, you know. Barcelona keep the bar and he yeah. plays the band and you know he's part of the Hamden hoodoo which is obviously no thing as a lot of them will tell you that but he, he wins that amazing career there very interested to hear a lot of the times how close he was to going he didn't really enjoy it towards the end mm. and and stuff like that but a fascinating sort of insight into brilliant. his career now yeah I, absolutely brilliant and not even missing management at all no no and uh, it was a bit of a, a, a coup for us to get him because like he doesn't normally do anything like he's on the radio now yeah. and again, clearly. But uh, I think he's his ex player Simon Ferry had tried yeah. to get him on his podcast a good few times, and he just uh, he just refused point blank yeah. to go on that nonsense. Yeah. Uh, he was wanting to come on like that, a serious, <laughs> well thought of podcast. Interesting as well that he'd, he 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 would fancy how we go at the United job and, mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. 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 Never say never, I guess. Yeah, a great, a, a great guy, a great guy. Right, on this day, in association with the Arab Archive, preserving the history of Dundee United Football Club since 2006, 24th of July, our focus today. Mixed friendly games, of course. Uh, we beat 4 for 4 2 in 2004. Barry Robson, James Grady, Jason Scotland, and Mark Kerr get on the score sheet. In 2005, Paul, we won the inaugural City of Discovery Cup. I was there. Who did we beat in the final? Dundee. No? We beat them though, did we not? Mm-hmm. Beat Sheffield Wednesday in the final. Paul Sturrock's team. Correct. Yes. Who scored the winner? Gary Kenneth. Gary Kenneth. He did. And it wasn't even either. No, it was, no it, was in, it was in front of the United fans as well. Yeah. So I was at that game. Uh, a Johnny Russell double versus Aloe in 2012 was enough for Peter Houston's side. And uh, the following year we headed for Stake Brideys and all as we beat the pass. 3-1 goals from Gold, Goodwillie and Dow are signings today. We're all about a relegation rebuild as Billy Kirkwood spent one million pounds on Stephen Presley and Sandy Robertson on this day in 1995. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. One good, one bad there. Yeah? Pre- Presley turned into a very good player for us, yeah. Uh, even forgetting his robot voice. Uh, Sandy Robertson I can't think of I can't think of anything he done I can't no. think of a game he played no I mean he must quarter have a million pound I know but it was maybe a kiss of, that's maybe the way they dressed up maybe it was actually a million for Presley and just that Sandy and well so that, so that he doesn't feel too bad we'll say it was a, a quarter of a million but Presley was a good player he turned into a good player was yeah I think playing alongside Malpass certainly helped him certainly brought him on Malpass was the boy that was just telling him legend right I'm a good player. You're bang average, and you've got a shite voice. When I say when I say where you've got to go, just go there, head at the bar, kick it away, and we'll be fine. Who who'd have been his centre half partner that season? Mark Perry. No, it was Mo. Mo went sweeper. Welsh? No, Smallbass went sweeper. Made Presley a player. Because oh, promotion season, they're five net sacks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to think a relegated club spent a million pound, twelve players. Yeah, and it's never been beaten in 30 years no but we signed others as well did we know oh yeah like oh, McSwiggan mm-hmm. Coyle 350 400 yeah so like it was 1.7 we spent a it's lot like of the money it's the Badger money though isn't it 
Because I mean, Badger was one point seven five. No, well, that that time though. Cause yeah, he, but he was he he never got sold that summer. I'm sure McKinley actually played. Uh, he got sold early. He, he scored got, a hat trick at Dens and then fucked off the next day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was away after the manager came out and says we're going to build a team around him. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> well, we're just disbanding now. Jim's just, like, nah, I'm not. <laughs> sell him. I'm wanting that coin. <laughs> so half your pot, Billy. Uh, what a player Badger uh, was. I can, but tell you, he needs to come on. We'll bad mouth him. Not at all. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was our only signings today. Again, it, we have been pre-season. There's there's no much in that. But anyway, despite hoping, wishing, thinking that the Viaplay Cup was over, we've still a trip to Falkirk this Tuesday. Nobody needs that. But how do you think we're going to go on? We're at Dode Fox Podcast on social media. Check out our brand new website at dodefoxpodcast.com. Have a great week. Stay safe and don't forget to wash your hands. And your arsehole. <laughs>